Hello and welcome to Film Lovers. I'm Sonia Chung. I'll be talking to people who work in the film industry and who are also avid film lovers. Today I have Jason back on. Hi Jason. Hi, okay. here I am. Are you okay? Yeah, not too bad, thanks. Yeah. All good. Just to let you know, um, I've got a really bad ear infection in the left ear. So at the moment I'm deaf in that ear, so I can only hear in the right ear. So every now and then I might need to tell you to speak up because I can't hear anything <laughs> in it. Just so you're aware of that. So um, what are we going to do today, Jason? Do you want to tell everyone? Uh, yeah, we're going to do a Louis Theroux special of uh, documentaries that we like. Yeah! Well, I've been wanting to do one for ages, but I couldn't find anyone to talk about with them. So I'm really <laughs> excited about this one. Um, so you're our guest today, or my guest even. So what we'll do is we'll take it in turns like I normally do with the other guests that I've had and done themed shows with. So uh, you can name one of yours and we can talk about that. And then I'll name one of mine so we can have a chat about that, etc. and go backwards and forwards. So since you're the guest, why don't you take it away with one of your favourite documentaries by Louis? Uh, should we give a docu- like a background about him, do you think? Or everyone pretty much knows and they can Google it, can't they? Uh, yeah, I mean, he's a... An eccentric, an eccentric documentarian, I'd say. <laughs> in fact, it got got a fun attitude towards his subject matters. Yeah, he's really good, isn't he? About the way he approaches things, and he's half. Um, his dad's American, isn't he? Yes. Um, yeah. so he's got dual citizenship because his cousin is Justin Faroo. Um, and that's because Justin Faroo's dad is his dad's brother. So that's how they're related. And I believe that Louis has two brothers as well. One, uh, I think they're both actors, actually. I can't remember. Well, yeah, um, so. So, so the earlier bits of his work, um, he did a lot more stuff focusing on American culture. And then as he got married and had kids, he decided to stay more primarily in England, didn't he, and do more sort of serious subject matters so so he tends to work between the both but primarily now stays more in Britain doesn't he yeah yeah Yeah. all right then so why don't you take it away Jason and tell us one of your favorite documentaries by Louis Farouk uh, well, I've I've been revisiting some of his stuff the last few days after talking to you, and um, I think he's a uh, his UFO one when he did the Weird Weekend series. The UFO one was quite funny. Um, the, the experiences he encountered and uh, the sarcasm <laughs> in that one was a uh, high on the scale for the particular <laughs> one. Um, and he, 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 I liked how he pushed his luck with it uh, when they go to Area Fifty One and he's daring them to to cross the 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 bar and there's like the boundary where you're not allowed to enter, and he's like throwing a a stone over it and they're getting scared and then he puts a foot over it and um, he's just quiet he, he was actually scaring his interviewees they were getting really nervous that he was uh, pushing his luck with the, the security guards in the background watching them threatening to come down <laughs> I don't then, think I've got a confession I haven't seen that one so right. so uh, so but um I think I might have seen a few clips here and there but yeah I can imagine what he'd be like I mean it's kind of like his playground really isn't it like he likes see he's very clever with the way he he um talks to his subjects because he's kind of it's subtle taking the piss kind of jabs, but he yeah. gets away with it because he's he comes across as being so sweet and charismatic and naive. 
that it can actually be quite endearing and a lot of the time um they kind of don't really get it do they <laughs> no uh, i mean i mean they, they obviously it was in it was in america and uh, they was um i was gonna yeah, say but i didn't know what to say <laughs> so, it goes over their head a lot the yeah cycle. exactly um, they think he's really into it and he is very blatantly a kind yeah, of exactly. yeah exactly um but that's what I was going to say but I wasn't sure if I should so but yeah exactly it goes right over their head and they have no idea that he's actually kind of sort of secretly taking the piss really so uh, why don't you tell us a bit about that episode and why you like it so much uh, so yeah, he he travel he travel he's in America doing a bit of a road trip on on some of these documentaries, and he decides to go to uh, some people that believe in UFOs, and they go out and do like can't they they fire lights into the sky and music and try and make contact, and they sell they sell, they sell gadgets that help you if you're um, <laughs> like abducted and stuff, um, and these people take it very seriously, and he uh, he tags along with a few of them, and uh, they talk about Area Fifty One which uh, he does a very good scene, which is, again, why it makes it part of my favourite episode, where they say it's so secret the government don't even acknowledge it. So the way they go there is on a tour bus with a big like, UFO banner on the bus <laughs> <laughs> and find it. Like, and then when he's there, all of the uh, the group he's with are you know, saying that's their limit. They've gone to the fence. They won't go any further. And because it's a bit of an open desert, he like throws a stone over the, the threshold line. And, and then he's like tiptoeing his foot over going well let's just walk, <laughs> walk a bit further in and there's a sign about getting shot and trespassing and he like starts walking with the cameraman and a woman further and further into it and you see a security uh car <laughs> start speeding towards them and he he panics to the cameraman saying oh we better make sure you know we don't lose the camera unless they're running back he's um he almost pushes them <laughs> rather than him tagging along he ends up taking them on a journey which is what made me laugh so much about that episode um, um <laughs> The, the first there was an outrageous scene near the beginning there's a like an army guy well he's he's a he's a man in his own little world and he's got he's always all tooled out and some kind of like alien enforcement officer and he gives him a he gives louis a a, a big speech how these are sexual pedophilic alien like nasty things he's got to protect the world from <laughs> it was like quite outrageous it hadn't been for a long time <laughs> I don't know where I don't know where he finds these people, but they are quite unbelievable. <laughs> that was part of his um was it the weird weird weekend, wasn't uh, it? Yeah, it was the second episode in that series. Yeah. yeah so this this kind of dates back to the nineties. Um, yeah, he, he did them for BBC Two initially. That was yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Because I sort of I remember my mum watching them, and BBC Two at the time wasn't like it was kind of. Yeah, it was a funny channel, wasn't it? It was, it was also... more like the indie sort of. Yeah. Side of yeah that, so, so there's a lot of sort of strange stuff showing on it, and um, I remember my mum, or every now and then, our flick and something would come on. So yeah, that was that show was on. But then I think his notor what do you call it notoriety as he as he yeah. sort of developed got sort of you know he got more and more kind of famous. Um, but yeah, the the weird weekends is like. I think one of the fun ones that he did exploring American suburbia. Yeah. Is... <laughs> yeah. all, all the very different cultures he come across. In Which I, I'll true. say they're on um, they're on BBC iPlayer. If people want to check those out, they're yeah, 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 yeah. So easy, easy to see these films. 
they're very entertaining aren't they but at the same time you do wonder where the hell do they get these people and are these people for real <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you can tell they're generally really into it, which is, makes it even funnier because they're I so know. serious. But he's um, <laughs> very serious about it. Um, is there anything you want to say about it before we go on to one of mine and we can talk about that? Uh, yeah, no, I just, um, it's, it's, I highly recommend it because it's got some funny references to, to films. They take the mick out of a Close Encounters of the Third Kind. <laughs> 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 Where the, the the woman actually plays the uh, the tune for it to call an alien, and he actually uh, he, uh, he uh, asks about that theme tune, and she says about it's her favourite film. So it's like you know the aliens must appreciate that. It's just quite you know they, they can't see how ridiculous it is. No, did you see there was one clip where um I think it was like a Christmas special. I don't know, but they they go along and there's this guy. He's like a, like a, I think he's a priest or something. And apparently he can contact aliens and talk. Do you know what I'm talking about? And he sits in the corner. I, I do. <laughs> and you and and you got two of these people that are like tagging along with Louis, trying really hard not to laugh. And he's like, he said, "This is central control." Do you know that one? <laughs> right, yeah. And they're trying so hard, and you're like going. <laughs> He actually thinks like aliens are talking to him and through him. And he's like, I have to sit in this side of the room, Louis. I must always be at this side of the room. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Did you ever see the one, um, the swinging, the swingers parties? Yes, back in, yeah, a long time ago I did. <laughs> Again, this when when there was not as much to choose from, there was quite prominent, when there was only like, well, it was four channels for me, then they had Channel 5, but when it was the main four <laughs> channels, there was quite a lot of these things on, which were the entertainment of uh, the week view. In these, yeah, these, yeah. So, what did um, you do? It's quite um, out there, isn't it, that episode? <laughs> a bit of a Euro trash vibe to that, that yes, one. Yes, <laughs> yes. Like he kind of, he's very good because he kind of, it's very clever actually the way he does it. He kind of immerses himself in the situation, doesn't he? Um, I think to get more of, um, he finds that his subjects kind of respond more. Does that make sense? He puts himself in yeah. there and sometimes in compromising situations. Yes. <laughs> I almost feel for him. He's getting himself a little bit too deep in Yes, yes, exactly. Like he, um, so he explores a part of suburban American culture, which is uh, the swinging party, swingers parties. And he, um, he basically meets this couple who come across as a really normal, like couple, I quote, normal. And uh, they have this house and then, uh, you know, so they have, several rooms and they um but once every month they basically organize these parties don't they yeah do you want to take <laughs> do you want to explain the, 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 the keys as well as the car keys in the pot yeah 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 so what they do is they organize these parties and um and he goes along to one and but i think there's a scene where she's shopping um for food and everything for the party and he goes can you just invite anyone and he, he asks a woman at the till would you like to come to the party <laughs> <laughs> would you like to come to the party he's like you can't just go and ask she's like, shh, shh. 
and the woman at the, the tills like like uh she's not really paying attention i don't think she's like and she's going shh and said, oh it's just for it's just for a family gathering <laughs> <laughs> and he goes along to this party doesn't he and he kind of he says so am i actually swinging and the husband's like no you're 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 talking you're you're uh, what's it? you're in, you know you're just sort of getting a feel and of it so he meets all these different strange people and these couples <clears throat> and he walks into a room does it oh because there's several rooms aren't there yeah there's several rooms so so like before the party the husband's like giving him a tour of the house and explaining you know that this is this room and some of the rooms have very strange objects in them like there's a like a diving mask and things because some sometimes people are like to use <laughs> to dress use, up and kinky use them. And there's a room with several mattresses on, which is obviously where they have these orgies. And the um and Louis asks, so like what happens if fat oh no, the husband goes, Oh, but you know, sometimes we have families come over and he goes, Do they come into these rooms? He goes, Yeah, they they don't know what goes on, but you know, sometimes they come and they stay for a few days. So they have a nap in there and or they sleep in there, not knowing what's going on. Is and he's like, We do clean the sheets and the bed. <laughs> and uh, so when the actual party's going on, he's kind of talking to all these people. And um he accidentally walks into one of the, the rooms, doesn't he? And there's like a major orgy going on. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, there's a couple, and they're like, "Why don't you join in, Louis?" And he kind of, "No, it's okay." And he kind of walks away, and then you can see his expression <laughs> to the camera is just like, like absolute shock, like his face just drops, and you can tell exactly what. He's I think his expressions to the camera throughout all of his stuff is again what makes it's a style to those documentaries, really. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah. It's that a little bit, character. Kind of yeah, yeah, it's kind of like um. Do you know what it reminds me a bit like um Jim from The Office. Yeah, like, yeah. A bit like that. Like he, that's kind of what makes it. I think that he's really. His facial that. expressions to the audience kind of almost mocking. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You but know, then, like, um, I leave this. <laughs> it's his complete kind of. Because he's not stupid. He's incredibly clever, isn't he? He went to like yeah. Westminster Boy City School or something like that. He's or Latimer. I can't remember, but he did. He is really clever, so he knows what he's doing and he knows what he's talking about. It's not like it's going over his head, you know. But like I said, and we said, he's really clever at disguising the fact that actually he's kind of sort of, you know, trolling them, really, isn't he? <laughs> a bit of a cheeky chappy. He yeah. does it in such a way they, they think, you know, it, it's fun. But, yeah, it's actually very, very mocky. <laughs> um, did you watch that one? Have you seen that one recently? It's been a while since I've seen that one. I need to, I do need, I, it's been a while, so I might, I might, because there's quite a few available to watch on my, um, I've yeah. got a TV, there so are I, some I, I might start to... work through. Yeah, there are some I never saw or got round to, so I definitely need to revisit them. But that was one of the ones that sort of stands out to me the, the most, just because it was so kind of out there and, and it's it, it it's a bit bonkers. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. this couple seems so um, conventional and, <laughs> you know, just like, you know, nice. And, and they are nice, but you, like, it just 
makes you realize you don't know what goes on behind closed doors. Do you? <laughs> <laughs> no idea. <laughs> so um, yeah, so let's go on to one of yours and. Uh, I actually had um, I had fun watching the um, the Christianity, the new- newfound Christians. Okay, I haven't uh, seen that one, but yeah, it's quite. Um, he he again goes on the road and he hangs around with some organisations that have found God again, and he kind of joins them, and they spend most of the episode trying to get him to um, uh, let God into his life and become one of them, and he. He has such a way about him where he doesn't quite do it, but he strings them along for the whole few weeks. He's filming with them going, well, if you take me to a, you know, a ceremony, if I go to another event, I'll think about it or let him in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he kind of strings them along the whole time. And uh, he blags his way onto their TV show. So the TV show are filming him and his crew in, a, in American TV. And uh, <laughs> he, he just had such a funny way about when he's on the show, they, they're they asking him what he's hoping to achieve. And he says, oh, I want to learn about this, this newfound Christianity. And they ask if we've got, a, we haven't got anything like that in England. And you people need to show us the way. And he does it in such a sarcastic way that they, <laughs> they're all over it on American TV thinking it's amazing. And he's kind of really just having such a laugh about it as yeah. well. Oh, is it one of those like um? Is it evangelical? Yeah. Things that they put on. TV yeah. And over there. And yeah, there's a yeah, the Christian TV channel that he's uh he's yeah, a I've guest heard about on this. with he's uh, <laughs> and they love his accents. He's English, so he plays <laughs> to that as well. Like and uh, <laughs> they're, they're very serious. Some of the interviewees and that and um, there's one guy that again they, they they i do give him that as a documentarian he finds the most entertaining people to be on on the on to be interviewed and hang around with because these are larger than life people yeah and uh, there's a guy in the car with them and he's talking about the rapture he's saying you know he believes that and the, the, the guy probably is about late 50s and early 60s and he said and, and so louis asks him does he think that god's gonna like jesus is gonna return in his lifetime is this gonna happen he went of course it is and he goes so what in the next five to ten years implying that the guy's <laughs> only got five years left and again it goes over his head and he's like going well yeah i, I do believe that and um and he goes he goes, he goes oh hell i think it can happen in the next 10 minutes so again louis face to camera says it all and um <laughs> they get into a discussion about the rapture and people going up and then he says so if you're driving your car you just get called up like what happens this <laughs> is the car will just like drive and he goes but that could kill someone i don't think that's like practical and they get into the discussion about the guy's answer is brilliant because he goes well god will wait until everyone's parked their car and go <laughs> it's like answer for everything but just unbelievable sort of answers do you know what's funny it's a bit like um kind of like um not oh, Borat uh, oh yeah Borat isn't it when he goes it is a bit like that it reminds me of that yeah yeah <laughs> like yeah, and and you know secretly he's taking you know he's he's taking yeah. jabs at them but because he's like you know a foreigner so you'd assume he's quite naive so the politicians and the people that Faru interviews they don't like we said they don't realize that he's secretly kind of mocking them yeah. But you can see them sort of thinking, what answer should I give them? What answer should I give? Do you know what I mean? And it, and and that's what makes it really funny, I think, because yeah. their answers are so absurd. Do you know what I mean? Because they're trying to, they're fighting absurdity with absurdity. So you're like, this is yeah. 
bonkers. They make it worse. They make it even worse. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it's definitely kind of that situation, isn't it? Like Borat going to the States and yeah, interviewing people. Um, did you ever see the one on um, Thai brides? Yes. <laughs> so do you want to tell everyone about that? <laughs> Yeah, it's it's um it goes into about getting visas, isn't it, and getting them like, like marrying someone and getting them over here to be a yeah a them. Yeah, it's um it's an agent. So basically, it's this guy. Is it he's he's like um in his fifties or sixties that runs this agency. He's English, and he runs this agency for Thai girls or women to marry English men. So these Thai women are obsessed with only marrying English men. And we meet one particular character, don't we? Do you know who I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. He's a bit eccentric. He's kind of like in his 50s or 60s. Um, his name, uh, what's his name? Lake Palmer. Right. Do you know, do you know who I'm talking about? Yeah. <laughs> Tell everyone about that guy, Jason. He's <laughs> quite eccentric, isn't he? he? He knows what he's looking for as well. He has he's, a... <laughs> not, he's not the full ticket, is he? <laughs> no. Um, no, it's they're sold into the idea of buying the perfect wife. <laughs> yes, yeah, and there's there's um so basically he's um been introduced to this woman, and Louis goes to their room like within you know the next day or so. He goes, oh yes, we're getting married. We've just decided to get married. Like you know, like after a a, a chat, and that's it. We're getting married, and um and then he kind of <laughs> he starts talking like. Like Louis, uh, like a foreigner, he goes. We have very hectic two days. Very, very and he goes. I speak English, <laughs> <laughs> and there's a scene where he walks into a room when um, uh, the guy who runs the company. He's like, "Oh, we're just signing on some new girls," and there's like a 19 year old girl, and they go up to her and they're like, and he asks her, "So why do you?" want to marry an English man and not a Thai so um Thai men aren't very interesting and Louis turns to the this very creepy sort of owner like it's because I think his name's Ron or something and um it's a bit of a mystery isn't it because really English men aren't very interesting either <laughs> But uh, but he signs on the the guy that owns it signs on you know girls that can go up to about sixteen I think no not sixteen nineteen but it's quite pervy because you get these really young girls going out with these like really creepy middle aged men and they wouldn't have a chance would they <laughs> back home yeah, yeah, why yeah. they're there <laughs> yeah. and apparently it's quite a common sight to see in Thailand. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I've seen other kind of documentaries as well touch on that area. And oh, even really? In the so yeah, it's yeah, it's um, they've got worse over the years. The sort of exposés, those. Yeah, sort of yeah, things. yeah. And then um, so he um he says, oh, he's just she's just about to do um, you know, a video just to sort of introduce herself for the for the company, and uh, they go into the room where they're about to film her, just giving an introduction to herself so they can put it towards the catalogue for the agency and Louis goes in goes up to Ronnie and goes he goes it's a bit like a hostage tape isn't it and and he goes and this and Ronnie goes what do you mean he goes because I'm not being mistreated (laughs) 
<laughs> the way he says it is just so funny. He's so funny. The way he gets away with things. Yeah. But um, did you ever see that one? Yeah, back in the yeah, back in the day I did. I used to watch quite a lot of those sort of uh, those sort of the, the the exposés and shockers shockers of the time. Which yeah, say, yeah. Um, looking back, some of them are funny, but they've they've um, new documentaries have even pushed it even further with uh, but they don't really? have the charm that they have. He, he he's charm and wit. Uh, they're, they're more serious this day and age. Whereas you said that like, he reminds me more of Borat and Ali G and things yeah, like this. Yeah, yeah. A bit more slapstick, and it, and I think that makes it more entertaining. That's what makes it even funnier is how he handles the situations. I think that's also what kind of made him a bit of a cult hero, wasn't it? Because like, yeah, everyone loves him. Even like the students in university, he's like got a really big following, and he's a bit of a nerdy cult figure now, isn't he? I mean, I love him, yeah. but you know what I mean. He's got like sort of cushions and memorabilia. I teach him. Yeah, cult icon. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so yeah. So let's go on to one of yours, unless you want to say anything about. Oh, uh, Lake Palmer. Do you know much about him? He, I remember he was on the Trisha show once. Kind of like a similar thing. He was saying how he was fed up with English women, and he was only going to marry. He only wanted to settle down with a Thai woman. And I think what happened was. After he did the Louis Ferru documentary, he met maybe a few of the Thai women. And one of them, not the one in the documentary that Louis Ferru did, but apparently he married another Thai woman and she took all his money and did a runner, basically, with another man. So, But then he's still kind of obsessed with this notion that actually he really, really didn't like English women. He thought they were becoming very masculine and behaving very much like men now. And he didn't like that. I think he kind of liked the 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 idea or the notion of being in a situation where the woman was subservient to him, if that makes sense. Yeah. So so he was kind of obsessed with that. But he's he's definitely a character. You couldn't write something like that, could you? You couldn't write <laughs> <laughs> But um yeah, there's clips of him on, on YouTube and you think, yeah. He's definitely, I mean, he's like taking a lot of medication, I think. He's he's got a few problems. <laughs> he's got a few problems for sure. But he's kind of like um like a chain a chain smoking version of Alan Part Alan Partridge. He's really obviously <laughs> over the top. <laughs> yeah, that is actually brilliant, yeah. It is, isn't it? But um but Louis Ferru said um uh in one interview, he said, you know, sometimes I get asked um about the people I interviewed and he tries to stay in contact with them throughout the years just to see you know how they're doing and stuff and he goes the one that people ask the most is him Lake Palmer right <laughs> but I think they lost they lost touch so so I don't know but it would be interesting to see I mean he's obviously a lot older now because that was in the 90s so so um so yeah it's interesting to see if he's still around or what you know to <laughs> If you off by a tiebright, probably. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's go on to one of yours. Uh, I I found it funny when he did the the meeting people. Like he did a, he did Jimmy Savile, didn't he? Back in the early noughties. Oh yeah, and that was uh, kind of like a fun one, wasn't it? Before everything. And that was before the scandal came out. Which again, the reason it stands out is um 
a few years after that, in 2005, I actually worked with Jimmy Savile myself before the scandal. So, it, and it wasn't that long after Louis did it as well. So it was kind of a, a sort of a, it. Just, that one just like, sticks out to me. Um, yeah. I was filming. Um, I was filming for Vodafone, and okay. Jimmy Savile was the. Uh, he was doing the promotion. So they were doing a Jim will fix it, your phone contract. Okay. Uh, so, so I had to go to the, um, the, he's uh, penthouse in Leeds. That's where we were filming him. And um, I had a CEO with us, a Vodafone who was this uh, high class, don't mess with guy and as soon as we got to Jimmy Savile's he was like a little kid being like as a he was with Jim will fix it and um they uh, it was quite funny really because um we got in we got a lift and it opened up into his penthouse and he was stood there and he like grabbed you when you went to shake his hand he grabbed you and like pulled you through the, the the living room and spun you around and he was nuts he was in his tracksuit these red tracksuit he had his big cigar and all his gold on him as always and um he did he did the filming, which was sitting there, like, pretending to be Jim a fix it and talking all about whatever tariffs and stuff they were telling him to do. And um, not that people needed it, but they gave him a free phone after we'd done filming. Vodafone had brought him this, this uh, yeah, top yeah. of the line at the time phone. <laughs> he didn't know what he was doing. And he, he was looking at it and it fell apart. And he said, like, he was pulling it apart, trying to fiddle with it. And it was in bits and um you could i can see the ceo of trying to explain how good this phone was at the time this was oh five so they were still basic back then and yeah uh, yeah yeah it was really painful and funny to watch and it reminds me of of his personality on lou through sort yeah. of yeah you know, and also you know, we should point out this was before the awful stuff came out it you know was. Um, it wasn't long after, actually, only a little while after that, did it break news and all of that, like, came out, actually. Um, yeah, but there was a... always talk, wasn't there? Like, I think um, when Louis Fouroux did the meeting, yeah, I forgot about that, actually. He did meet a few celebs, didn't he? Like, he met Paul yeah. Daniels and he met the Hamiltons, didn't he? The, um, they're they're a funny couple. <laughs> I was looking stuff up again, too, and, and the Jimmy Savile one, actually, like... Um, was voted of one of the top documentaries of all time in 2005. That Louis Fru with Jimmy Savile. Yeah, yeah. So it's actually, um, it's, it may have changed, but it was renowned. It was quite a renowned one at the time. But that's it. Is that at the time when it came out, it was very innocent, that documentary. It was nothing, you know, I mean, we knew nothing about this. I think there were there were definitely rumours going around. Um, but we always knew that he was a sort of eccentric person, didn't we? Um, yeah. But there was something you knew that you couldn't put your finger on. Does that make sense? Yeah, it was it was funny because when I met him, he was ranting about everyone, um, moaning at them, saying that they were doing drugs in the in the green room and the changing rooms and they were drinking and he, you know, he got told off for smoking his cigar and he goes, that's all I do that's wrong and it's clean compared to all their mothers, which ironically he was the worst of them all. And but Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you can the, kind yeah. of see like in a way that actually he must have groomed them as well. Do you know what I mean? He must have in a way he's he, which is what they do. They're very they they groom you, they get them on your side. And in a way Louis is kind of he didn't know obviously, you know, when he did the follow-up many years later, he, then he sort of, you know, he was going into it more seriously about, you know, but he said he wish he wished he actually asked him, um, you know, because there were rumours going around the BBC, weren't there? But nobody actually brought it up. I think the only person that ever brought it up and then he got, and then they got banned from the BBC was uh, Johnny Rotten in the Sex Pistols. Right. Yeah, he did. Uh, 
he spoke out and got silenced and really spoke yeah, out. Yeah, tell, tell everyone, everyone about out. that, Jason. Tell everyone about that for the American audiences that don't know. So this was yeah, in the 70s, wasn't it? It was like... It was. He was, on a, he was on a talk show, on a TV interview, and um, he started BBC. having a bit of a rant. Yeah, on the bit... We, which he's known for, um, uh, yeah. Mr. Rotten was known for a lot of rants. He was, he actually did. Um, I'm a celebrity. Get me out of here. Where he did rants and kicked the diamond. I remember. <laughs> so he he's never changed. He's always been very outspoken, and um, he did kick off about uh, Jimmy Savile. On, yeah, uh, yeah, this, yeah. He started uh, outing him for all of his crimes, and um, everyone thought that he was just being a rock and roll craze man that he was known for, and dismissed him a little bit because he was quite eccentric. But mm. he was right; he was right all along, and um, yeah. had had witnessed stuff, and you know was willing to to speak out. And yeah, uh, Good now he's him. on as a, as a as kind of like the hero at the time. Actually, yeah. Well, him. then the thing is, the BBC banned him, didn't they? So they yeah. didn't; they weren't allowed to go back and do anything on the BBC for for years. Um, so, so yeah, but that, I mean, that first Louis Farouk, uh, interact was the meeting celebs, was that after the weird weekend? Was that like early 2000? It was, 2000? yeah. Right, yeah. 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 yeah, they were quite good, weren't they? Because he interviewed, he followed Tim around and then he followed like Chris Eubank. He was another strange one <laughs> <laughs> that he followed around and Paul Daniels and the Hamiltons and, uh, oh, uh, who was a politician? Very strange woman, Anne Widdicombe. Yes. Yeah, yeah. But the the Jimmy Savile one was was kind of was just very innocent, wasn't it? It's just him following him around for like the weekend, uh, getting trying to get to know his his uh, his subject really. Um, but it's so when it came out, it was just like you know, it was just. Um, yeah, this is this is me hanging out with Jimmy Savile. You know, just trying to sort of get some like um get to know what he's like as a person, not not as the celebrity or the person we see on TV or you know in the newspapers, etc. Because that, I mean, at that time he was well known for all his um charity work, wasn't he? So yeah, there was no you know nobody sort of spoken out about him. None of his victims had spoken out, and then. Um, so, so you were going to say about that. So, what what did you want to talk about the 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 funny meeting Jimmy Savile episode? I just think he um he's even with him, Jimmy's good at getting out of situations, talking. Mm. But Louis is quite funny at putting people in awkward positions. But he was a bit of a match for him because Jimmy's also quite good at reflecting what he was good at, um, you know, firing back at them. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So, he kind of had a bit of a um. It's, it's, he was a hard person to, unlike some of the weird weekends where he could crack people and show them up. Some of these darker people are harder to get, so they kind of almost well, fight back. It, isn't it? Yeah, and he couldn't. He couldn't get to the bottom of him, did he? I mean, so um, but um, you can kind of tell that you know he uh, Savile was very clever about the people he spoke to and what he can and cannot say. But he got away with it, didn't he? And it was kind of so obvious. And I think Louis Farouk tried to ask about it, but he never did. And he went, because um, you know he's got his own podcast show, doesn't he? He did Grounded. Did you ever listen to any of them? Yeah, I have. I have flicked through. He's a, he's yeah, a, yeah. He did one uh, with Elizabeth McGovern. Was it, uh, you know, was it McGovern? Uh, no, Rose always so Rose McGovern I'm talking about who you know who was one of the first victims to talk up speak up about Harvey Weinstein and yeah. started up the Me Too movement and 
in the interview, it came up and she's like, well, you, she goes, well, you should have asked him. Sorry. And it comes across as being rude, but actually, you know, it, I'm trying to find what I had to say is sometimes when you want to approach a difficult subject, it's awkward because you don't know how the other person's going to react. And then you don't know how you're going to react to that reaction. And I think that's why sometimes people don't touch upon touchy subjects, if that makes sense. In that yeah. Situation. yeah. So, but he did say that, you know, yeah, I kind of, I, I really wish I had pressed him on it. But the thing is, he spoke to one of the victims as well, quite a few victims and his follow-up about several, the more serious episode, you know, documentary many, many years later. Um, and one of his victims was like, well, how could you not see it happening? Kind of like, and he's like, but that's the thing, isn't it? Is that at the time you don't know any better. And now when you look back at it, you think, oh yes, of course it was there. Do you, does that make sense? And we all kind of do that, don't we? Like, why didn't yeah. I see that coming? So, but yeah, I can imagine that that documentary is probably one of his most famous ones, the original one from the 90s when he met several, because obviously... I can imagine that gets a lot of footage repeated or looked yeah. at. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But his, his um, I mean, I've got to admit that his eccentricity and he's got a very charismatic, charismatic side, I guess, which comes out. And I think that's what washes people over. Do you know what I mean? He's very clever at that. He, well, he was very clever at doing that. But deflecting from himself, yeah, mm. I think he, yeah. Did you find that when you met him? Yeah, there was a, something about him. He, he was very good at um, deflecting any issues from himself on, mm. and uh, <laughs> passing the buck to other people and yeah. uh, selling himself as a noble charity person. He was very good at making himself and his life story that he had it hard and you know he came through the ashes to make it big he yeah. was full of himself a little bit and yeah suckered people into that sort of story of mm. his. what did you think of him um here's a question because you're my, you're like my generation you're from the 80s you're the same year as my middle sister so when you were a kid did you ever watch Jim um Jim or fix it I had I did catch it now and again um, yeah I remember it being I, on TV. What did you think of him as a kid? I I was never really drawn into that. It was weird mm. that, that the other the other people I was with when I filmed him were quite like excited because it was a big childhood thing to them. But I yeah. must admit, me I was aware of it and, and and knew it. But I I've always been a bit odd and was into kind of. I mean, I was watching horror films from about <laughs> five years on the fly. So to yeah. me, it wasn't such a big deal. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, I it think, was just another fun story to go, oh, you know, I've worked all at the time. It's not yeah, so fun. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, someone else I've filmed, someone never called yeah. filming. Story, but. but do you know what's funny is that I think when you're a kid, kids are very clever with picking up on things that they can't explain because they haven't got the mental growth to it. And they're, they're, but they absorb things like a sponge. And I remember even as a kid, like if I did catch him on TV, I I distinctive just had to say distinctively remember even as a like a five or six year finding him a bit off and I couldn't I couldn't it was it was a creepy he creeped me out and I didn't understand why which is yeah. very funny isn't it but, yeah so so um so yeah but um so that documentary stands out the most to you does it from one of 
for Ruse because it was a very innocent documentary, wasn't it? It was meant to be fun, that one. Yeah, I think because of um, it's one of them at the time probably didn't seem a big deal, but now looking no. back because what's happened, it actually it's almost it highlighted and had attention to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then obviously, as he sort of predominantly decided to stay more on the English side and focus more on making films here, that he followed up many years later. And he did he did do a couple flashbacks to two thousand and one, which is when they filmed it. Yeah, you're right; it was in the early two thousands. But I think they were quite friendly, weren't they? I mean, they weren't friends, but they stayed in contact with each other from what he said. Yeah, I think so, yeah. But he never ever, you know, obviously brought it up. So why would he? Because he didn't know. So, um, so yeah, I can, I can kind of really see how he he fooled a lot of people in that way. Yeah. So, so yeah. All right, well, it got quite serious there, didn't it? But yeah, <laughs> that was, uh, yeah, um, that was a good one. Yeah, for sure. Um, is there anything else you want to say about that one or the follow-up one that he did years later? Well, I think it was it was interesting that he followed it up because, I mean, mm. I think a lot of people that was involved with Savile in, in, a, in a thing like that tried to do it to almost uh, cover their self or kind of like yeah, yeah, not, yeah. Not, not be associated that he did that and that was it. I think following it up, at least you can go, oh, you know, it. He yeah. it, it, they don't want to kind of be remembered for doing it, so they wanted to address the situation before, yeah. you know. Yeah, like if, sure. if he hadn't kind of addressed it, it would go, oh, that time he met Jimmy, but he's ad- he's addressed the issue yeah. since then. So, yeah, I find that interesting. Well, he must get asked about it a lot, I'd imagine, no, from people like that he talks to. Yeah, if I mention I'd filmed with him, again, it's a talking subject. People do, like, ask a lot, so I, I can yeah, see yeah. why you'd want to follow that up, actually, and yeah. kind of... A, do a statement almost to put a, to put it to bed. Yeah, but then also you think about it because you've made documentaries. Documentaries are meant to make you, you know, walk away and decide for yourself what you think about that. Yeah, I mean, a, a good documentary technically you should show all sides. So although mm. he is funny, like you, you should show everyone's opinion and what's going on, whatever you're dealing with, even if it is as nuts, you should still you know, show why people may believe or be involved yeah, in something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it should be impartial, as I say. A, a good documentary should leave you to make your own mind up and not be told that this is silly and bad. Actually, you know, you decide no. for yourself from seeing the evidence. Yeah. If you're... Which which kind of brings us back to where we start where started, where we say he's that Louis Fury is very good in, uh, like, immersing himself into that because then he he is talking from their perspective and he's also talking from the perspective of the outsiders, if you know what I mean, the people looking in and quote judging them, yeah. us. Yeah. So he is very good at doing that. Um, a good way to transition from that into this, because we're talking about follow-ups, is did you see the original one he did from the nineties, um, uh, Weird Weekends, again, uh, where he followed the porn industry in the nineties? Did you watch that one? Yeah, I did. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's an interesting um, one, isn't it? And there, there's a, it, there is one where he, yeah, the porn one, and he, he agreed to do a cameo in a yes, game. Yes, tell everyone about this. Yes. Tell everyone about that. <laughs> he got he got talked into being in a small a small role in in a gay pornographic movie, but his actual cameo 
didn't involve him doing anything sexually, but it is it's marked in history now because this gay porn film does feature Louis in it. As I know, a and, and you know what? I'm sure, like to be honest, you would want to see it, and I do want to know <laughs> what film is it because I want to see. And he's playing um, he, he's he, they're in the woods or something, aren't they? And he's like um, like a you know what do you call it a ranchman or something so he's got like or mountie not like a mountie because that's canadian but he's got like the hat and he's like you know the serious it's like hello fellas i'm just here to see if you're <laughs> i've just double checked and it's called take a peek that's the title of the film oh, is he, it? Uh, yeah <laughs> so i don't know it that, that is the film that's out there did they keep his his cameo in it? Do you know? Yes, that, that is a that's like an IMDb late. That's forever on his filmography. He did do that. So amongst all these things, that that is a bit of work that he's done. So. That's so funny. Oh, I'd love to see that. And there's a scene. Um, so basically, he follows several. Well, what he does. Let me go back into it. So, like we were talking about the other episodes. He's very good at immersing himself. So what he does is to get to know his subjects better and what their working life is like, for instance. He actually signs himself up to one of the agencies, doesn't he? Um, yes. I, I can't remember what the name of the agency is because there's several, uh, you know, porn uh, agencies that go on. So, um, but he actually signs himself up and there's a bit where they take a photo of <laughs> <laughs> take a Polaroid of him and the guy's like you know, you know don't move like that you'll give me the wrong heart <laughs> and he's showing his Polaroid to everyone in the, like in the industry he's like look at that look at my photo <laughs> <laughs> so he goes around following you know several of the um the porn stars and one of them um actually he runs his own podcast show I don't know he was really young at the time uh, I think his name was Jay Right. And now he wants his own, like, um, I think he's like um, a computer designer or something like that. And he wants his own podcast show or he's on YouTube and does shows about, you know, games and things like that. So he obviously went out of it. Um, and he followed a couple of other ones. One of them was a porn star called John Doe. Was it John Doe? I think so. Yeah. Um, and there was one who was a famous porn star from the 70s, a woman called Cheryl something. Um, but it's quite interesting, isn't it? Because actually you realise that the men are under a lot of pressure in yeah. these films. Yeah. <laughs> a hell of a lot of pressure. For the women, we don't have to, we just have to you know, fake it, really. Do you know what I mean? There's, there's no, there's no, it's, 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 you know, it's selling fantasy. It's not real life. Um, which they're very good at, aren't they? Selling. Yeah, it's um. It does well, be interesting because the mm. um that the uh the porn film world is the largest selling films of of ever. That that's really? the, that's the most lucrative. Um, so you, you have Hollywood, Bollywood, and the, the dark horses. Porn makes the most. <laughs> that's that's the highest grossing films ever. Really. Then, then it's followed by Bollywood and then Hollywood comes late. So it's actually not, you know, um, so yeah, the porn films make more money than your Marvel films do. <laughs> that's, that's, wow. uh, that's why it will always be around. And, um, uh, and it goes with the times. Like I said, um, there's all, it's, it's ever since film 
was a thing. There's always there was celluloid porn films, then it moved to VHS, DVD, now VOD. It's it's followed the trends all the way yeah, through. Yeah, the yeah. It's always been there, and it yeah. and I think it always will. It even had a go at 3D at one point. They've 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 done that as well. It's, it's it, you you name it. They've they've been there with you know with the camera and everything ready yeah, to yeah, go. Yeah. Since the dawn of time, but actually this yeah. this is quite good because you you've touched on that subject that when he did the follow up one like the Savile uh, in uh, two thousand you know the, the the much later years later um, he talked about how a lot of the porn stars then really suffered in the industry because obviously there was videos around in the nineties and then that went out and the, the digital the digital phase came in the internet so that started putting a lot of them out of work didn't it it's a lot harder it was it was more glamorous in the, the early years because you said it was um there was no internet if you take the internet out of the equation they they used to get good money it used to be much more niche because you couldn't just look it up or google it. you had to buy videos or go yeah. to a cinema it was mainly america for them but they had the cinemas for it but yeah. since the internet era i mean it did go to dvd for a while but as soon as the internet became what it is now then everybody lot got a pay uh pay cut because they could yeah. find more people um you can make good money if you you know how it's a very washed out market and um there is a shelf life for people and it's not a lot um the hard truth is they'll get someone use them for a while but only a few years are they good and then they've been so seen and so out there they need someone new or fresh to oh to really returning so they don't um it's one of those careers where unless you're behind the scenes you don't always have a great shelf life no matter how old or what you are because yeah been in a few scenes or films then everyone's kind of seen it and wants something fresh so it's yeah and uh, no, I can imagine hard that. For that as well yeah and um actually I remember one of the girls I spoke to um Maya we spoke briefly about this as well um she said that a lot of the women uh female porn stars they tend to later on go on to directing don't they so they they tend to do better later on in their careers than the men do um and actually this is really good as well because one of the porn stars that Louis Farouk um follows around in the original one in the 90s where he's just exploring the cult you know the the porn industry then in the 90s um sadly committed suicide and that was partly because he he went out working and he, he just basically lost his his sense of um, manhood, because that's all he, do you know what I mean? That's what he became, and yeah. in a way he was well known for, and then all of a sudden for that to be taken away from you, it would destroy you, I'd imagine. It's, there, there's, it's an intro, because there are a few documentaries about this now, that it's become more of an interesting thing. I myself have actually just finished editing a, a doc, feature documentary oh, okay. on the effects industry, uh, which I, I did shoot a few years ago, but I've been doing all sorts of projects, but I am getting around to finishing this, and it it looks at, we talk about a lot of that in this, and um, mm. it, it, the new independent film wave is crosses a little bit, because some porn actors and actresses do cross into indie film from porn, yes. actually they make a transition and they, cause they're quite mm. known for that. Some filmmakers use them because it's almost like a celebrity to them. They go, oh, you know, they're in this cool horror film and, you know, yeah, so yeah. some of them do all right from that. Whereas there is a darker side where some try and have what you'd say a normal life, but because now in, in, in back in the day, that would have been easier because a video and a, yeah. a cinema is one thing, but now cause the internet is ferocious and you can't, you can't get everything back. Once something's out there, it's out there. They, they yeah. struggle to move on yeah. because, social media things always circulate so you can't yeah, yeah. they can't escape it where 
if they embrace it and become indie indie film people and just kind of accept that and get on with it, they kind of have a bit of success. But if they want to get away from it or regret doing it, that's a hard. That's where I think mm. the pressure hits. And, yeah, I can imagine. And they're getting good money for it as well. Yeah. So you imagine if you're getting good money and they were saying in he was saying in the nineties, like he was asking, you know, um, oh, it was John Doe, yeah, you know, the the porn star who sadly killed himself oh, yeah. years later. Um, he was saying, um, because he's he gets on his motorbike, doesn't he? And he goes, "You could buy this within a day's work." <laughs> Imagine how much that would take you yeah. to save up if you're doing a, a normal job. So you can kind of see in their eyes why they do it because it's fast and it's immediate money. But then with that, you get the dark side of the porn industry where you get introduced to drugs and and I think a lot of them are quite fractured people, aren't they? They yeah, come from broken I've, backgrounds. I've worked with a few porn stars myself because mm. they've been actresses in films and um, some came back and forth others were generally trying to become proper actors and wanted to move mm. away but they found the transition hard i did work with one and yeah. she found it she was still stuck in that that porn mode of filmmaking and she was struggling to transition to kind of uh, stereotypical filmmaking and um you could just see the life experiences was very different than what other actors had had and there was a bit yeah, of a culture yeah. So and I was directing this particular film and I was trying to balance the people from that world and the people from acting world to like, you know, they, it was a it was a hard blend actually. Yeah, and yeah. There have been, um, I mean, we can let's try um actually I tell you what. <laughs> actually, can you think of any like you were talking about porn stars who have sometimes crossed over into mainstream? Um, can you name any? Yeah, Gemma Jameson. She uh, she was quite big for, for porn. Then actually went into indie horror film, and um, they they used her quite a lot to sell it. Um, so I think she's one of the more known ones that, that did that. Um, and uh, Michelle Young is the uh, actress I worked with. But again, it's, sometimes it's awkward because they have a porn name and then they have a actor's name or a real name. So oh, they end up having okay. they have like three names and aliases. So I've had this problems where. Um, I worked with Michelle Young. That was the name she used as an actress, but she was known as Amber Lee in the porn world and Mistress right. Ray and even further darker stuff. And they so they promoted Amber Lee on the film, but on the credits, it's Michelle Young. And it confuses people. I know they're thinking, yeah. Ah. But they, yeah. they do try to like cover some of the tracks because they want to be they want to start being known for the the horror because well, I say horror because it's normally horror films they cross yeah, into yeah, yeah. sex violence gore makes a horror film that we were saying they kind of, Actually, they try and blend it. Oh, that's interesting because um I would have assumed they kept the same name, the same performance. Oh, yeah. Sometimes they um mm. they do. Um and then there was um who was the one that was in Boogie Nights? She's a famous porn star. Nina Nina Hartley. Yes. Um, and well, the, the controversial one at the moment is that Ron Jeremy, isn't it? He's a, oh, is it? He's a he's actually got into trouble for sexual misconduct. Yes, in, yes. In theater, but he was obviously a big porn star, and he did actually do quite a lot of appearances in mainstream horror films yeah. or in independent films. But it was a big deal that. He was in them, and they would normally slapstick 
comedy, horror, yeah. dark humour yeah. thing. Um, he was doing quite well at that at one point. He was he was appearing all over the place and making yeah. quite a name. For until until this uh, stuff started coming out about him. <laughs> I mean, in, interestingly, uh, Ben Dover, the, the the character, the porn character, he he started out in exploitation film and then went into porn. Was he did the he did the reverse? Oh, okay. <laughs> so, but interestingly, um, his son made a documentary for BBC Three about mm. his parents because his dad was um, uh, Ben Dover, which his real name is Steve Perry, and he his mum was his long-term partner who was a porn actress in some of his films. So he, he was the love child of that and actually ended up making a documentary about that side of him. So it was yeah, quite yeah, a, yeah. Yeah. Interesting but, one. You know what's funny is that, um, sorry, can you think of anyone else before we sort of, I think they're probably the main, the main ones that come yeah, to mind. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, and I know James Dean did one with Lindsay Lohan, but I think that was like a real, maybe. That I know Steve uh, Sylvester Stallone delved very. Oh briefly. yeah, he used to do he? He, he? he comes from that background himself. Yeah, actually, and yeah. Um, and that's funny because a lot of them did, didn't they? But they they sort of hush it up yeah. obviously because now they're 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 well known and famous. But then you think then they were struggling and they were poor, um, and there's. Um, you can go. This is the problem with the internet, though. You that they, they can never really run away from their past now, can they? And <laughs> that's what really. And actually, Louis Farouk touches up on that in the follow-up that he did in the two thousands. Um, I think it was around about two thousand fourteen ish. You know, you can follow, you can follow it up that he was he follows up the you know the then you know celebs of that and there was one who was. Um, uh, I think she's Filipino um, and she's got a daughter now and she was saying that actually it's really hard because when she tried to enroll her daughter into the nursery school, the nursery school needs to know the parents' work background, etc., which makes sense because, yeah. you know, they need, and they looked her up on the internet and they, they, they found it, which is, you do kind of think that actually a lot of these people have no idea that this will follow them around. In yeah, I, I do think, uh, again, this has happened with actresses in films as well that have done some kind of crazy horror films. They, mm. I've had, but they, they, they do regret it. They almost, they want a different career because because film is a very hard career sometimes. They they decide that it's not for them or acting's hard uh, work and uh, they they go for something else and I've had a few people I've known where they've tried to erase their film history because if they go for a job interview or people Google them, it comes up with like images from horror uh, films. But IMDB and things, I mean, it yeah, is impossible. Yeah, yeah. You, can't, you can't rewrite history. So no. it is, you can never erase, erase it. You can try and hide it, but it, if you dig deep enough, you can find it. You can find yeah. anything. I can imagine. I mean, that must be so humiliating and embarrassing because, you know, we all have moments where we look back and we think, I really wish I hadn't done that. I really wish. And you think, you know, but we can talk, draw a line and move on from it. But in their situation, it's always going to pop up at some point or another. And that's what would make it really hard because it's quite funny, isn't it? A lot of them have normal lives on the side. Yeah. They raise families and they, they live in a, a nice community and they go to church. It's a very sort of, you know, it's a very kind of, um, I mean, like I said, they're selling sex. So it's they're this thing in this part and then they're this in this part. So they can separate the both of them where, yeah. you know, sex from from love or 
you know, they, they can have that because they're selling it as their job and they're selling the idea or fantasy. So it, it, do you know what I mean? And it kind of comes across as that. But even um, I think a lot of them wouldn't be going around having sex like that, would they, in their normal lives? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which is quite interesting, actually. So, um, but it is very interesting. I mean, the 90s porn one that he did, so we go back to, because it is, it is a very interesting subject, the porn industry. Um, and actually, you'd be very good to talk about because you've just done something about it. So we can do another one about that and then you can talk more about that because it'd be interesting from your perspective as you've just done a documentary. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But from the 90s one that he did, um, so he's following a lot of these people around and um, there's one bit where, hang on, I had a thought and now it's left and it's really annoying, Rena. Um, oh, yes. Yeah, so at the time, a lot of the people, a lot of the stars, um, especially men, because he interviews a woman who's driving him and uh, he's saying, like, are there a lot of men that want to do it? I mean, obviously you think, oh, it's great. You know, you're getting paid to have sex with beautiful women. And blah, 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 blah. And, um, and she says, no, it's harder for men than it is for women. A lot of them can't take it because they have to perform and literally come yeah. on yeah. screen don't they and then and then if they don't they don't get paid as much so they bring someone to come in and stand in for them don't they is it called a fluffer <laughs> there, there is a fluffer a, a bit of an intern joke for doing that but um yeah, yeah do you know about there, I know a lot about the tricks of the trade. I, yeah. I've been filmmaking to the, in, yeah, in, in yeah. but they have to, I mean, can you imagine? I mean, in a normal situation, you wouldn't have that many people, a crew around you. So so you're being expected to like, come on, you have to come now, come now. And there's all these lights and cameras. And the women don't have to worry about that. You know, they just have to pretend they're having a good time. And, and fake. Yeah. And the men have to physically show it. And if they don't, I think that's why a lot of them drop out, don't they? Yeah, it's, well, um, it's, a, it's a it's a it's a it's a tough. It is it, it is tougher and darker than people. Think. I think it, on on the jokes and people going, oh, you know, I'd love to do mm. that. You know, people go give it a go. It, it is different when you're actually on a set and you said, you know, it's not glamorous. It's not no. as fun as people think. It's actually a job, and it's like any other film in some yeah, respects. Yeah, yeah, They're quite yeah. serious about it. They've they've some they they sometimes have multiple cameras because of the business side. They have one camera filming what they class as soft so you don't see anything that they could get through the bbfc and release in like oh. hmv and then they have another camera that's filming hard which will then go into the uh, specialist sex shop so they actually get um they get two films for the price of one and, and that's how they make all their money and um so oh, you've got you've got two, you've got multiple cameras multiple people that they light it like a proper film and sometimes they even have sound because you know some some of these films are parodies and actual proper films that with sex in so it's yeah you know, yeah yeah it's quite insane for them because yeah, it's not a normal situation at all. No, and, um, and there is, there's a, there's a scene in that one actually because you're talking about that where one of the porn stars, um, her husband's watching on the side, yeah, isn't that's, he? That's the kind of thing as well. Sometimes they yeah, yeah. And Louis Ferrou is like, yeah. and Louis Ferrou like is like um, is like um. So can you tell us what's going on now? So so the new star at the time, that Jay person, who's quite a young guy at the time, he's working with her. And he's having problems getting wood, and um, and and that's causing problems with the production, isn't it? Because they're all on the scale. 
This is another thing. People just want to go home. In the yeah, exactly. <laughs> that, and they're all on a schedule. It's like, come on, we want to go home. Like, let's get this done and go. <laughs> kind of thing. And um, and he, and so the husband's explaining, goes, uh, yeah, this is what's happening. And Louis like, oh, that must be a real bummer, which is not a good way of putting it in the point. It's like, it yeah. makes it worse as well because because you feel pressure. pressure yeah. Worse for everyone. Yeah. And the husband, and he's saying, you know, doesn't it make you feel uncomfortable knowing that your wife is having sex with another man? And he goes, you know, most people would would be like that, but you know, this is work, and they see it as work, don't they? And then they go home and to their normal lives, like we said. So. So the husband's totally cool with it because he knows that his wife is just doing it for a job. It's just her job at the time. Yeah. So a lot of them are very good with um, putting on their, quote, porn hat and then putting on their, quote, normal hat, you know, walking away from their jobs and then going back to their normal situation. But you do have, everyone has that going on you know when you go to work you put on your work hat and when you go home you're you does that make sense you separate the both of them but you know humans are complex so generally speaking people can't have sex without later on feeling you know this the endorphins kicking or whatever so they are very good with with having a a a line obviously but then obviously there are you know um, porn stars who've had relationships with each other and there's been several cases of, you know, they actually got married, et cetera, et cetera. So, so um, they're very good at, at doing it. It's a very interesting dynamic, the porn industry, for sure. And she was saying, the, the wife afterwards, when they finished filming, um, that, that she was thinking of dropping out because there were so many people coming down with HIV at the time. Yeah, it was a, quite a big thing in the 90s. Was it really? It? Yeah, that did become a, a problem because um, they... Because um, they were being tested every two weeks, weren't they? Yeah, a lot of porn films don't like to see condoms used. It's not good for on screen. So they, they okay. don't... Uh, so they normally they normally are tested and um, do it like that. But there, there was a famous case, actually. This can be looked up. There was a famous outbreak where someone was infected and... They didn't tell them, and they were going around on a lot of porn shoots and infecting loads. And it was a bit of a, it was a big, there was a big scandal. Oh, for I this. think I remember sort um, of hearing very vaguely about this. Tell, tell us about this, then. So, so, someone, um, someone was uh, HIV positive, and they didn't, they didn't declare it, and um, they kind of kept working. They did like multiple sex scenes, and they infected a lot of the. Did they uh, know? Other, they did know, yeah. Okay. And, they infected, and it went to court and everything, actually. And then it, it, it did change a law about. Um, being tested but the only thing is with the testing is it again it doesn't completely cover you because they get regular tests but as you can imagine if they're filming that week or every few days that then they're they're, they're they're performing more than they're getting tested so it's kind yeah. of you know they're a little bit like there is a little bit of a window there that could you know not be completely safe but yeah but it's a scandalous thing that still happens in the industry because they don't yeah. and I m- guess most- sorry i guess from that person's perspective as well you think about if they say, then they lose their, they lose that job for the day, don't they? So they're losing a lot of money and yeah. somebody else would have to come in and do it. So you can kind of see, even though it's completely wrong and then affecting other people, you can kind of see that actually this is my livelihood. Do you know what I mean? I can't not yeah. do this job. So, so, so I can kind of see, I mean, obviously I'm totally, you know, 
with the others because they've been infected. So I would be, you know, worried and pissed off, etc. This person knows and they've been doing this. And what happened to that person, by the way? Did they ever get fined or sent to prison? They, they were, they were, um, they were caught out. They did, they were found guilty. Uh, and another interesting story is uh, Tracy Lords. She's a she's a famous actress who even went on to be in films like Blade. Her history in porn was very dark that caused a big stir. It's another interesting case to look up because uh, she had a fake ID, fake like license. She was underage. And she performed in a lot of films. And um, how this didn't break is unbelievable because she's actually become a Hollywood actress from this. Yeah. Uh, and obviously, when it was found out that she was a minor, that that was classed as child pornography. Those yeah. films had to be so they had to record these movies. And obviously, there was people performing in them. And that was a real scandal in the industry. That shook the industry up as well. I can imagine. Um, which, but again, they did They did have ID. She just that she'd had fake ID. Yeah, um, yeah. But it's... um. Obviously, I think some of those films probably did slip the net from getting me called, but it, it was a real. It's, uh, it's a, there is a big story on that that can be looked up that went to court and yeah, uh, you know, she kind of she got away with it, can be in a minor, and she went on and uh, became quite a successful actress, which she still isn't to this day. Oh, well, that's really good on her though, because like you said, the transition is really difficult to make from porn industry into the main film industry and being taken seriously. Whereas in a case of like you know you get the ones that are obviously known for that but they kind of take the piss like with Ron what's his name Ron Jeremy, Ron Jeremy, yeah. Ron Jeremy. so where he's kind of you know doing a cameos as, as, as himself so he's kind of I mean this was obviously before all this uh stuff that you know came out about him so so yeah they're very good and a lot of them are very clever as well aren't they Yes, yeah, they, they're quite really clever. People. I mean, Stormy oh. Daniels, she, she, um, see, this is another one, a good uh, transition. She was, I remember, um, Seth Rogen was talking about how he was on, she was on one of his films because it's just easy to have a porn star go nude because that's what they do. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, so you can kind of see that. But I've seen her do, um, like interviews on YouTube uh, for Dave, uh, not Dave, like, um, one of the talk show hosts, and she's really clever. She's really, really clever. So a lot of people underestimate how clever these people are. And they're actually, they're kind of in their, they're businessmen, aren't they, really? Businessmen and yeah. businesswomen. So, yeah, um, the documentary does look at that. It's yeah. quite a business and they actually set themselves up from it quite well, actually. Yeah. No, we should do a follow up. We do one about the porn industry because it is very, very interesting. Yeah, the dynamics for sure. All right, then. So I think we've said enough about the Louis Fruit porn ones. We've basically touched on the original one in the 90s and the Weird Weekends and then the follow-up, which was a lot more of the serious one, talking about how how the digital age affected the porn industry um, as soon as videos went out, etc. because obviously a lot of people started losing work. Um, yeah. A lot of the stars start work, losing their work. Oh, did you see, you know, the bit you're talking about, the film where he makes his cameo appearance? Yes. Yeah. Um, at the very beginning, when he's, um, or it's later on as well, they show at the beginning, when he's going through the scripts, one of the porn stars is going through the scripts, and he's like, come on, put some more meaning behind. <laughs> you're giving his <laughs> name, you're giving his I love you, I love you. And he's like, yeah, do it again, with more meaning. Like, I love you. He goes, he goes I love you. Because <laughs> I don't get paid enough to do that. <laughs> Take and his he work actually that's quite interesting because that porn star was um doing gay for pay, wasn't he? But he, actually he was straight. 
Yeah, that's another that's another common thing. That is a whole yeah, that's is a whole it, thing. So yeah. do they get they get paid more for doing that than they would on a normal heterosexual type? Yeah, it, this is another documentary that I did see that is out there. There's a big documentary on this that a lot of gay porn star men are actually straight and the documentary shattered dreams of people it, it, it really? was a i remember watching it and uh, when the documentary was screened there was a bit of a backlash because um they, they showed you tricks of the trade which they probably didn't want you to know that's the thing with documentaries that they, yeah, 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 yeah. Is, um, they, there's a lot of they're not gay men but they they will take money to do gay porn because mm. there's a demand for it and, and again it's quite a, a fetish and a thing that's out there and yeah um there was a gay and same goes for women as well. It does, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. The man one shocked me because um, there was this guy they follow in the documentary, and he's a, he was a famous gay porn actor, mm. and they did interviews with people that were fans of these before they let this out, and they're talking about him. And then when they was on set with a guy, he's doing his thing, but nothing happened. He he got nude nothing really sexual happened and and, and um, when it comes to actual penetration they stopped and he walked off set it wasn't him he got paid to do nude paid to, to show himself and, and and to do other stuff but as soon as it comes to the real real hard stuff he actually was um at a standing really? and, and and when they went back to the, to some of the fans you could their faces they felt cheated because like, really, yeah. he's been doing these films it was quite uh actually i can imagine it would be because i mean predominantly that's going to be for the gay audience isn't it yeah so, yeah and it was okay it was all these gay men they were interviewing about it and they were i, I think he lost some fans that day I don't that know. he would have that does put them in a very difficult situation you you're right for sure and it goes on with women as well i'm sure it does yeah. but i think for the women it's it's considered more mm, appropriate because one never seems as taboo to be honest it never does seem no. to be such but, a problem well also i think women are generally a lot more um in tune to each other's boundaries and what makes them feel comfortable so they would feel more comfortable with each other but and i don't mean to sort of pull a generalization men quote tend to be a bit more homophobic don't they they don't think about yeah that it makes them very uncomfortable whereas women are kind of open to that does that make sense i know that sounds a really strange analogy but so uh, and actually he says it doesn't he this porn star he's called troy something and he yeah, said no, no, i don't like he's like i don't been in the ass and i don't like you know but he's doing that because that's the equivalent of a day's job and then he goes skiing afterwards when it's all yeah <laughs> it's all done and he, and he actually says to me for me because uh, Lou, if we go see, you know, so how do you feel after, you know, a shot, you know, was that really hard? Because I think there's like three or four men in this cabin, isn't there, with him on this film? What was this film again? Take, uh, take a peek. Take a peek where Louis does his uh, cameo. <laughs> as a, as a, oh, it's a ranger. That's it. He's a ranger. He comes yeah, in. Yeah. He's like, hello, fellas. I just want to tell you. So they like this. And they're like, thank you, officer. <laughs> he walks out. And then they do their thing, obviously. But he, but like after they finish shooting, Louis, uh, Louis's like, you know, so wasn't that like hard for you to do difficult figures? You know, come on, you know, I don't practice that in real life. You know, I don't. So, so it is very interesting. But the fact that they put themselves in that situation when they're not gay, if you know what I mean. Yeah. It is a really the porn industry is kind of very fascinating. I think you know the yeah. 
what goes it's, on. It's uh, changed a lot as well. It's a very uh, really? industry. Yeah, they, yeah, yeah. They yeah. Keep times they're, they're always the first with technology with new film technology they're always the first yeah and actually you know it's funny before we move on to the another loo for it because it's it is really interesting um is that um like in the 70s they're very kind of well known for being very kind of corny and cheesy aren't they like yeah and uh and then they had like um sort of uh you know these funny things like cops and things where they kind of took the Mickey out of a show, and then you get you get porn films like that now, don't you? That they're, they're like there's a Hollywood a film, and, genre, yeah. and yeah, then every they, film's been mimicked. Is it really? <laughs> so, so yeah. can you give some examples of that? Because that's also film. So, what a porn film <laughs> later come after as soon as the Hollywood films come out? There is um, there's Avengers ones, there's Batman ones. Um, is it really? Horror is a popular one. Every horror film, and and, and the titles are killers. There's there's Evil Head, A Wet Dream on Elm Street, Triple Exorcist, <laughs> a Friday the 13th parody, a Halloween parody, like, you, you, um, Jigsaw, um, The Human Centipede. <laughs> it's all, uh, they're, they're all out there. <laughs> and so, you know when Goodwill Hunting came out, the porn version, what was it called? <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Goodwill Hunting. Uh, yeah. And they're saving Ryan's private. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're very clever with yeah, doing that and stuff like that. Yeah, they're very clever on the wordplay, though, aren't they? And, and they are quick. Like I say, a film only has to be out for a month, and they're very fast. They, um, yeah, they, 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 they cash in quick. They, they, they obviously know a film's coming out a big film, and they're already on mimicking Onto terms. That. So they do. They really do churn out more porn films than they would on the on the main. Film street. Yeah, there, there's, there is loads actually. Yeah, yeah. And um, all right. I mean, yeah, and they do still sell. This physical media is still available. Um, hmm. The UK is a strange country though, because technically speaking, you you can only legally buy a hard porn from a sex shop. That's only the only way you're supposed to get it. Yeah. And obviously, people import and buy them. But it's the same with like uh, importing horror films or uncut films. You're not supposed to. Yeah. Um, England is still the strictest um, on country on, on this. Uh, yeah, other yeah, country. yeah. More lenient. For sure. Okay. Well, we definitely need to do like a special on the porn industry because that is another one I really want to do. And you'd be a very good person to talk about because obviously you've done you've done a documentary about it. So you've obviously had to talk to a lot of people uh, from that side of the, the world of the industry. You know what I mean? So yeah. let's go on to one of your <laughs> favourite Louis Ferru ones we got kind of sidetracked but it's very easy too because it's really interesting to talk about so let's go into one of your favorite Louis Theroux documentaries. Uh, I want to mention the one he did to do with Michael Jackson so um, originally he was supposed to do uh, a special with Michael Jackson like he did with um, Jimmy Savile but he Mm. lost it to Martin Bashir who did that infamous documentary. Yes. Louis Theroux did do a documentary um and i'm double checking this up because he did a i know he did an interview with martin and michael about his quest to get that documentary he never got which oh, needs okay. to be I, I i would love to have seen the the louis through version of that documentary that would have yeah, been really yeah, yeah. i mean martin bashir's was mad but i think louis well. missed it. yeah it was i think louis through's would have been um a lot funnier because uh, it, yeah. it was the documentary that never was with, with that one well, the thing of with the Martin Bashir one, he basically set him up, didn't he? Really? Hmm. Yeah. Was, they edited it in a way to make it look like it was more. 
in his favour and definitely against Michael Jackson for sure. That's recently been under fire as well, hasn't it, last year mm. because of the Diana documentary yes. interview and Same. that. So he that's all come under hot water again with these tactics of getting these interviews and how they've yeah. been edited. But I remember when the Michael Jackson first come out, there was backlash from the family and uh, saying that he had set him up and the editing, yeah. which again is an interesting filmmaking point of view, that how they edited that to make him look like an idiot. Yes, uh, yes. And in know. the Louis Farouk one, when it was, um, quote, Michael Jackson, does he actually talk to any of his family members? He doesn't talk to his dad, does he? No. But he talks no, to like, the security um, guard and... Yeah, it, that, the, he, he, he did a documentary in the end about trying to make the documentary that Bashir did but he kind of he didn't get there he didn't he wasn't able to get it they went with Bashir but he ended up making a documentary anyway about that journey which is interesting but mm. I find it sad it's almost like I think it would have been one of my favorites if he would have made yeah. the documentary he yeah, originally sure. set out to do so it's a, a lost film almost of the film that yeah. never was yeah so what did he talk to people who'd worked with Michael Jackson because it's been a long time since I've seen that. Yeah he spoke about his journey of trying to get the clearance and uh, like mm. and, um, how you know he was in a bit of a run to to get it um, and they obviously must have uh, bribed Michael I think like Bashir because well from what I've seen recently there was bribery going on with Bashir with his interviewees so that probably Really um, I think that's what came to light in recent years. Uh, his tactics were not now deemed as professional. He was quite no. live with getting them. No, but I think Louis is very good with that. He is very professional, though, isn't he? Even though he can, he does kind of like we said. He 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 is good at mocking people. He is also very good at at saying, you know, within a certain limit. If that makes sense, he wouldn't. He would never go to the point of Martin Bashir where he makes him out in the editing or, you know, he obviously had a lot of a say about how he wants his documentary to turn out to be and make it look like he is an idiot like Michael Jackson is. Whereas Louis Farouk is a lot more um, diplomatic and that he tries to get everyone's, like you said, perspective across and there, you know, everyone has a say, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah so, it's, um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a shame that the, yeah, Louis didn't get to do his version, really. Yeah, be... that would have definitely been more fun, for sure. No, I agree. I think a different side to things as well. I think mm. Louis would have got like, a bit I, of an I think that would have also brought up Michael's more fun side. Yeah, yes, absolutely. Yeah, which would have been a side that nobody had seen because, obviously, you know, he was so... In, he was beyond famous. He was infamous and... And, you know, to, to see a side of him, which I think Martin Bashir tries to do, but not correctly. And it's not true to his real life, what he was like mm-hmm. on side. I mean, obviously, no, everyone knows now, but, you know, with all the, you know, the, you know, the unfortunate, you know, kids and stuff that were abused, obviously. Um, but, yeah, nobody knew who he really was, did they so so I think Louis would have been very good at bringing out that side to him more whereas Bashir was manipulative is what I'm trying to say yeah Mm. yeah absolutely um and I I was refreshing myself a bit with that one and yeah Yuri Geller was heavily featured in that documentary that Louis did which he's always a character oh yes I forgot Yuri Geller and Michael Jackson are really good friends weren't they and he was in that one yeah, he, yeah. Was, he was featured with Louis a lot. Uh, in fact, Louis spent a lot of time with Yuri in, yeah, in that yeah, yeah, yeah. trying to contact him. 
That's quite uh, quite he funny. He's a very interesting character, isn't he, Uri Geller? Yes. <laughs> yeah, very. <laughs> <laughs> what was it? But I think their dynamic was quite good, wasn't it? I mean, it's been, a, I haven't seen that one, but I have to refresh on it for sure. Yeah, it's early noughties. It's about 2002. Okay. 2003 it may have been aired early. it was it's quite an old one now but um yeah yeah it's um quite quite uh yeah y- yuri's always a character on camera so again it, he's a great candidate for a louis documentary because he yeah yeah play. he's yeah. a larger than life man yes well. for sure definitely like, like some of these weird weekend uh contestants or like he, he um fits right in there <laughs> did you see um is there anything else you want to say about that before we move on no i think that's quite um yeah. I, I don't know. I recommend that watching that one just for Yuri. Definitely. <laughs> so Yuri basically has a big part in that documentary. Yes. Yeah, so yeah. 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 So he's the main, the main subject. <laughs> um, Michael Jackson. It's, it's funny if you, if you read up about it as well, he, he's classed as the unofficial spokesman for Michael Jackson. Oh, is he really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh that's really funny all right did you ever see i'm trying to think because there's so many of them um i guess we should try probably go on i'm thinking i'm thinking did you ever see the one from weird weekends where he hangs out with actors in this in uh, on broadway to try and get into a show and he does that very embarrassing audition doesn't he <laughs> yeah i did i i did i did drop into that one where <laughs> That's quite. Yeah, an that's another mad industry. The world enough, of that. Yes, <laughs> very, very. And and the after he does his audition, um, they they very politely say, "Okay, oh, okay, thank you." And <laughs> and he goes away and he says to one of the uh, the actresses, "He's like, you know, I think I did really well." She goes, "She goes, no, they're just trying to be nice." <laughs> <laughs> Bless him, and he's trying his best. He's singing on the piano and everything. I think he's singing like a Beatles song or something. Yes, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Um, should we talk about maybe a bit more of his serious, more serious stuff as the years late by? So, so like I said, that later on, um, he's gone on record for saying that you know, as soon as he got married and had kids, it was basically you know he had to be around the kids more and the family more and his wife, etc. So he decided to say more predominantly on the English side. But um, every now and then he does kind of cross over, doesn't he? And he goes to the states, like he's done a few on, on um, meth, crystal meth, and you know uh, Philadelphia, the crime in there. Um, so he's gone a few times back and forth, but from and he's done one on the Miami prisons as well. That's an interesting, an interesting one. Yeah, on the prisons. Um, so um, do you want to talk about any of those ones or the ones he did on the England side? Did you ever see the one um, living uh, where he talks about? Um, alcoholics and he follows them around. Yeah, yes. Um, that that that's that, that's much more serious, heavy. Definitely, stuff. that's because a hard he, uh, one to watch. And you know what's funny is that he, um, I can't remember. Maybe you can jog my memory. He goes to um, a hospital where they have a special ward for it, where they deal with people with alcoholism and stuff. Um. And he follows a few of them around. And one of them's a young guy called Joe. Do you remember this? And when that documentary came out, I remember talking to my sister about it. And she said, that actually, she's got a friend 
who is friends with him and he couldn't watch that show that like he couldn't watch it it was too difficult for him which it would be you know that's your friend yeah. so it it would be really hard but he's a, he's really young and a lot you know i mean obviously alcoholism affects any gender any sex any age um but it's really extreme because it is really an illness isn't it it's very sad what it does to these people yes yeah no, absolutely it's um i i think that they're good um those sort of documentaries are good as well to hmm. to, show you, to show you the kind of other lives that are out there and they are he does take a more serious stance on those yeah as well. no i mean that was definitely one of his more and and i think he's he's gotten older as well he he's become more um he's done more of those serious ones more which is kind of a shame because I kind of miss the quirky fun stuff that he used to do but obviously you know he was really young at the time he must have been in his 20s 30s so so yeah he was late 20s on a lot of the weird weekend ones. yeah uh, yeah so you can kind of a little bit yes yeah so you can kind of see that he'd want to do um that one did you what were your thoughts on that one did you ever see that one the um is it living in oblivion or something like that i can't remember yeah i i i do like quite dark morbid subjects so it mm. does it does interest me um it's hard and, to watch but very factual you know he's very good with um picking up on that so do you want to tell us about the people he talks to the subjects do you remember any of them yeah, he he does talk to a lot of recovering addicts, mm. addicts, self abusers, and um, I I I like him because it highlighted they kind of they dig into why they became the way they are. And yeah, some people generally trying to turn their life around, but they're in so deep relapsing mm. and things like that. So it's um, and I say like I was saying, I think he's quite impartial. It gives you quite a a broad overview as well. So it's not a not pointing fingers straight away. No. It's generally an yeah. overview and an overlook at, at li- yeah. living these sort of conditions and and there and is a scene where um do you remember when um joe so he's been sober for a really good amount of time and then he falls off what's he called the bat the the what's he called it the oh, fall off the wagon yeah falls off the wagon yeah and he comes in completely drunk and um and the nurse said that's it's actually quite dangerous for you cuz they're having to clean out his stomach or something and I think they can only do it a certain amount of times and then it can actually get very dangerous and he wanders off out of the hospital he's like I want to drink and you can see Louis very like I really think you should you should stay kind of thing um but you can see how Louis actually gen- you know and he breaks down doesn't he this poor young guy he, he goes yeah. like I let the most beautiful girl you know and it's just really heartbreaking and actually can see that Louis Fu is like I know you're trying and it's really he shows he's very um charismatic and he's very human as well yeah that and that's what I think makes him very likable as well about him and also yeah. he's a dad as well so you can kind of see that actually he must have sort of seen him as being like an older son type so you would yeah. feel responsible for that you know if it was a younger person in that situation but yeah, for sure. Um, is there anything you want to say about that episode, or do you want to go on to one of your ones? No, that I is think it's a good one. Yeah, definitely mm. worth checking out. Yeah. All right. So let's go on to one of your ones now. I like the um, the, the Scientology movie, My Son and My Son. Now, see, this is the thing. I wanted to bring this up, but I'm scared because 
they're quite scary some of them they are <laughs> so be careful because i don't want to be trapped <laughs> It's, it's, it's an interesting one because it's, it's, it's it a subject that's come up in later years more and more by documentarians. And, um, uh, yeah, he, he obviously did his... It got quite a good release, that one, actually. It was mm. a festival and everything. Uh, so a big step up from previous previous efforts. Yeah. Uh, it, but, it's um, scary, isn't it? They followed him around. Yeah, and also there's some big famous A-listers involved in this yes. Scientology movement, which makes it even more kind of like, yeah. Controversial. Scary and dodgy. So to be fair, he was quite brave <laughs> doing that. I think a lot of people wouldn't. Yeah. So I, I think, again, that stands out because I'm like, well, he actually, he had the balls to go and make a yeah. film. very, very ballsy. Who was that one that, that did the famous one in like 2004? And then he's very well known for being a very calm and then he lost it and was shouting at the head of the Scientology church. Yes. <laughs> do, you, do you know? Yeah. And he really regrets it, doesn't he? Because he completely, he just was shouting above his voice to this guy. And it's just like, yeah, it is scary. Oh, anyway. So what do you want to talk about, about, about that episode, that documentary? Sorry. Um, just his, um, I think it's worth just for the subject matter. It's worth yeah. checking out the controversy and very um, ballsy of Louis Farouk. I don't think there's many, unlike some of the other documentaries, such as like even porn and UFOs and Christianity. I don't think there's as many documentaries out there about Scientology. No. Either, so there's not many to pick from. So he's probably you know. Well, because people are scared. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So he is for sure very, very brave to tackle that situation. Um, and pretty new, it's still, well, I, I yeah. say new, 2015, yeah. I believe. And look, at, um, but to me, that's still quite a new modern modern film of mm. his. Yeah. Um, so anything else you want to say about that? I mean, it's been a long time since I've seen that one, but I do remember, I remember he when he was filming that all of a sudden this, these people turned up and then they started filming him and he's like, what? Who are you? Who and they wouldn't say, would they? They were just like ignoring him completely, but they were following him around. Filming. I it's funny because again, looking into it, um, the Church of Scientology refused to cooperate making the film, so he teamed up with a senior church official and made it anyway. So he was never <laughs> the fact that he he just keeps going even when he hits a brick wall in a because I think documentary filmmaking is hard, but when he hits yeah, a brick yeah, wall. Yeah. He just carries on and finds another way around it. And yeah, yeah, like, he's very not good. Not really a high one. He just weren't phased and kept pushing. Yeah. <laughs> just, so it is the it is the old him still, but he he treats it more maturely. But it's still got his old ways from his early works that he's doing. Yeah, yeah, no, I know what you mean. He's that side comes out of him, doesn't it? Did you yeah. ever see the one? Uh, this was a really interesting one. There was another documentary he did called where he went back to the states. Because, um, like I said, he's he's half American, so he's got dual citizenship. He's got two passports. Um, so he went back over to the states, and he did uh, a documentary called "Transgender Children." Did you ever see that one? That oh, was yeah, really, I that one. Yeah, that was very interesting. That's a very interesting subject because so the 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 taboo with it that comes with it is the fact that so the kids and like he interviews a boy who wants to be a girl um, and a few other families um, and the boy wants to be a girl, but he's only six years old and the parents are, you know, like 
thinking about going to get, you know, to help him. But the thing is, that's difficult, isn't it? Because when you're a child, you, I mean, it must be so hard to imagine what it'd be like living inside the body that you don't feel like you're, you should be in. But at the same time, when you're a kid, you can't say what exactly you're thinking because you're, you're, you're a kid, do you know what I mean? Whereas I think it would make more sense for when you get to adolescent age, then that's when the parents should start taking it a lot more seriously. And that's where it comes from, doesn't it? Because you don't want these poor kids to sort of turn around later on in life and think, actually, I shouldn't have made that decision. I really regret, you know, it's too late, basically. They've, they've switched. Um, and it's quite emotional because their parents are losing a child, effectively, aren't they? Yes. Think about they yeah. lose a son and they gain a daughter, so they've lost that person in a way. So it is a very interesting uh, dynamic. But um, I mean, what did you think about that documentary? I yeah, it's it's again it's a that's stuff, quite a taboo, hard hitting one. Mm-hmm. And I say I recommend stuff, but some some people do find some subject matters quite yeah touching hard. So again, yeah, possibly going into that one a bit. Uh, yeah, but I talked to a friend, and she's she's a former teacher, and she said that actually now in this uh, it's becoming more and more normal for kids to go up to their parents and say I'm I shouldn't be a, um I'm not a girl or I'm not a boy so it's I've um, I've uh, worked in facilitating film to uh, mixtures of people over the years and I've recently come across a a, a heavy uh, class of transgender individuals so um really? yeah so I've, I've I've kind of um experienced that working in that environment and um it's it's becoming much more of a thing now, definitely. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, it was it was such a big taboo. You think about it, like in the sixties or something like that. You know, that then that would have been a big. You know, how the hell would you raise that up with anyone? You're, no and I don't way. think you would have seen a documentary about it in those eras either. So again, how the no. times have changed. No, and, he, and even then, that that's when homosexuality was very taboo. Whereas now, everyone's a lot more yeah. open minded, a lot more. Do you know what I mean? They they understand generally that people are more open minded, but but then that must have been so hard for those people. Yeah. You know. So, but yeah, that's a very good documentary that that he does on transgender kids because, like you said, it's a very difficult subject. Um, Adults is a different thing because adults know their own mind by then. That's what I'm trying to say. Kids can't fully understand what's going on in their brains because they haven't matured they haven't grown you know they their brains haven't matured they haven't they don't understand they they know this feeling but they can't explain it if that makes sense yeah I know. So yeah. you can't say you can't go up to kids and say you know what do you want do you know what I mean whereas with an adult they they'll they'll know completely what they want if that makes sense yeah much that, harder documentaries for him to sell uh, sell as well and the, the backlash and the reviews are much different on some of these later works than the kind of yeah. more fun in, yeah. almost innocent works that he, when he was younger he yeah do you think he would have gotten a lot of backlash for those work for that one I'd imagine he would have yeah and I, I know some some of these more light-hearted ones are funny and you know the UFOs and Christians mm. are kind of eccentric people they 
they, they, they're, they're serious subjects, but people laugh and funny. But when yes, you start yes. getting serious subjects, which again is interesting that he did them younger, and as he's got older, he said he's matured and done almost every yes. taboo subject. He's delving into uh, almost a bit of a different audience, and he's opened himself up for more backlash and reviews because he's touching on subjects that cause quite a lot of a. Uh, you know, back, well, there's a there's a lot of reactions to some of these subjects from all sides yeah. of the fence. He's he's putting himself in hot water just by doing a documentary about that, to be honest. Yeah. So it's but quite even, brave, But also good for him because you know, there wouldn't be many people that would have the guts to do that. You no, know, no, no, be, yeah, to be fair, he's a so, he is um, quite brave doing that because when I've made films, I do worry about how things are going to be perceived. So knowing yeah. that you're doing a documentary about that subject you know you know you're going to upset someone so there's always going to be you're never going to please everyone yeah. there's always yeah an offended person that kicks off about it yes but that that's just generally what's going to happen everyone has an opinion about something do you know what I mean yeah so that will always happen but I do think that Louis is very brave now for the things that he tackles yeah absolutely for sure um is there anything you want to say about the episode or should we go on to one of your ones no, I think that's, uh, I think it's, again, I recommend it just um, yeah. <laughs> as long as you're not <laughs> get, get get upset too easily. Yes, yes. You have to be, <clears throat> have an open mind about that one. Um, all right, so let's go into one of your ones. I think uh, one that stands out a little bit later in life was the most hated family in America. Oh, yes. I wanted to talk <laughs> about this one of you. Right. Okay. Tell everyone about this. So he did two, didn't he? He did the one in the... Was was it in the weird weekend or was it the meeting people one? There's one in 2007. He did at the Westboro uh, Baptist the West Church. Barrett. Yeah. Was that the uh, follow up that he did? Yeah, this was his like our gritty one, which um, yeah. yeah was it was the later one. So I'll say later. <laughs> it's um, it's about 15 years ago. This one came okay. out. So do the original one where he first meets this, the Westboro. Family church, isn't it? Is it the Westboro? Yeah, the kind of ex- extreme family who are quite offensive to, to people. <laughs> and, and, uh, he challenges their views and their ways, which causes quite yeah conversations and uh, scary. tense moments. Very tense moments. So, so again, um, not for the easy offended this one, but the uh, the entertainment value of uncomfortable discussions and yeah. heated debates is, is you know uh, the, the, the mother um I think her name's Shirley um she's a lawyer yeah. she's a lawyer that's that's kind of what hits the nail of the hammer that a lawyer is meant to be empathetic um uh you know uh, open-minded charismatic enigmatic and and you and you like thinking she's preaching all this hatred to her kids, and they go out on the oh, there's that scene, isn't it? When they go out on a picket fence, uh, uh, they they go yeah. out to to some soldier's funeral or something. At the funeral, oh, it'd be fine. I, I was reading that it was actually really successful because I again I thought obviously it's very controversial. Yeah. But- it was received very well and was uh, quite in demand for it. So, I mean, I personally, I said, I, lo- I love the dark and taboo, the more dark and taboo, yeah, the better. Yeah, yeah. I, I enjoy how, but um, it actually, seeing that, it is, um, it actually was better received than I would have thought looking Yeah, back. but I would imagine even Christians were appalled by that. 
Yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's he, he does seem to go to the end of the earth to find the most uh, extreme <laughs> places and people. Yeah. Where, whereabouts in the states are they from? Do you know whereabouts? I in... believe it's Kansas, isn't it? Um, Kansas, right? And you know, there's a scene where they go on protest. And they're all holding these offensive banisters, don't they? like fags and stuff. I mean, this is not what I'm saying. I mean, I'm not saying any of this. this is I believe, what... yeah, there was one said, God hates fags and thank yeah. God. Yeah, this is really offensive stuff. And I think there was one that Louis Fouille questions about Diana. What do they say about Diana? I do remember that. Yes, they do say something and it's about like, that. Do you, do you, do you, can you understand how offensive? And they're like, no. And, um, uh, and then you've got the kids. That these little kids holding these offensive yes, yeah. up. her kids, all these kids of the Westboro, and there's a seven-year-old, and he asks the seven-year-old, do you actually understand, actually understand what it means? And the seven-year-old girl's just nodding her head. Of course she doesn't understand. She's just there because her parents made a family went, and she has no idea. And then he questions the little boy um, who later gets hit by someone who throws something at the car. Right, yeah. To, you know, wax this poor kid and hurts this kid in the head. And the kid's preaching what, you know, his family's preaching, but doesn't understand a word of it. Like, it goes over, you know. So the kids have no idea what they're talking about. Of course they wouldn't. They're, they're being taught it, but effectively it's been brainwashed, really, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And this, um, if, if it does interest you, it was part of a trilogy he ended up making. So he did yeah, America's he did a few of them, didn't he? Most Hated Family in Crisis, which was 20, um, 2011. And then there was actually a third one that he did very recently, actually, in 2019, was Surviving America's Most Hated Family. Yeah, because there's been a few that have left, haven't there? And one of them's a very... One is one, is one of the daughters. She, she left, and now she actually talks about it. She's um, well known for it. Really nice girl, actually. And, you know, she was saying how she <coughs> she came to her senses because she began to realise people were pointing out things to her and saying, you know, and then she started going on in the internet as soon as, you know, and she started to realise there were discrepancies between what she was being taught and then, you know, and what still the actual situation really goes on. But, you know, if it's you, imagine if it's your family or your parents, you'd believe what they're telling you, wouldn't you? I'm, I'm amazed he went back three times. <laughs> I know, <laughs> I know, I know. But yeah, yeah, no, that that's one of his controversial ones, isn't it? The Westboro. Um, yeah, <laughs> for for sure. And don't know, isn't there a bit where he questions one of them questions Louis and asks him if he's a Jew and says that Jews are. Or is that the Nazi one, the family that you went to? That, yeah, that's the Nazi, the yeah, Nazi yeah. one. Yeah, yeah, that's another very awkward, <laughs> tense moment, isn't it? Yeah, that kind of, that, that the, the Nazi one kind of goes hand in hand with the that's, most family. Yeah. They're, they're a little bit similar, actually. They kind of cross them. over at times, don't they? The, the Westboro Church and that one. But yeah, they're, yeah. Very, they're very uncomfortable. But he's very good at saying, can I ask you why you feel like why, why are you asking that question? He's very good for He's also good at deflecting the situation, isn't he? And kind of putting it back he's on the good at, um Not getting himself beat up in some yes. of these situations. Actually. Yes, exactly. And he's also very good at making them question themselves, which I think 
is what causes a lot of tension because they don't like it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. They yeah. don't like having it bounce back to them because then that has to make them think about what what they're actually doing and saying and their own actions. And that mm -hmm. makes it uncomfortable, I think. So, um, yeah, no, that's definitely a very good one, the Westboro one. So, so when was the original one that came out? 2000-something? 2007 was the first, and then the second was 2011. And okay. then 2019, 2019 is this final, well, it's essentially creating a trilogy. Of, okay. Of them. So is the third one following the ones that left? Or... Yeah, and I think, um, if I'm not mistaken, there's someone's died as well, haven't they? There's been a bit oh, of change really? in um, uh, in recent years. Um, so, yeah, it's um, Fred Phillips, um, he, the main guy, the main head of the church had died. And uh, okay. there, there's, um, uh, there's, there's been some, I think they fell out amongst themselves a bit, some of the members over views because since 2007 till 19 obviously a lot of changed with the world and views and politics so it's yeah a, and actually you think about it the internet well the internet was around but it wasn't it, it wasn't as uh, uh predominant i guess and there wasn't social media and i don't know social media or anything like that yes, so but imagine really... once social media came across then that would have given them more backlash if you if that makes sense that would have been yeah, similar. I think it works both ways as well, doesn't it? They probably get more um, yeah. support as well. It kind of makes them more infamous and famous, but also yeah. at the same time, they get a, a mi mi mixed reaction. Yes, yes, for sure. I mean, he kind of making those documentaries, he kind of gives them almost celebrity status because he does. I probably wouldn't have known so much about. Well, no. I mean, I've got interest in dark areas, but I probably wouldn't have known as much about some of these people now without him bringing more light onto it. So yes, no, definitely. Really um, interesting. Um, anything else you want to say about the, the uh, any of those documentaries that he did, those um, the trilogy in the West? I, I think that's just a good, it's kind of like well, one big good film that I really trilogy. Mm. Uh, it works as one, really, because it progresses as well. You start from 07 all the way to modern time. So you yeah. see. Uh, I like when he follows them up, actually. I think that's a very, uh, that's a really good way. Like he, he's done that with the porn industry, he's done that with Jimmy Savile. Um, I like that he follows them up. So he, I hope he kind of does that with his other ones. Yeah. Um, in a way. But like Fine I said... <laughs> or maybe not that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, for sure. Um, so shall we crack on to another one? Yeah, yeah. Uh, to think, maybe we should go back to more of his fun ones. Uh, la, 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 la. Did you see the one about Anne Widdicombe? Yes, the yeah. politician. What do you think of that one? <laughs> She's a very strange person, isn't she? <laughs> yeah, um, I've, I've got to check because I, again, I have a fun story about that. Um, I sort of worked with her. Um, did you really? I, uh, yeah, I was. Oh, a, so um, let everyone know for people who don't know who she is, who is she, Jason? For anyone who's outside of England, or what, they might not she know. Was a, she was a larger than life politician in the yeah. uk who spoke her mind um she actually got a brain tumor and she became quite offensive <laughs> she she came out with some uh offensive things and didn't she she her mouth ran away with her and she'd always put her foot in it so she became yes. quite a celebrity for that and um 
I, I worked as a runner on the right stuff, the talk show on Channel Five. Oh, she worked on that show. She yeah, and she was a guest on the talk show, and it, it, it's so this was morning TV, like um, a, a morning talk show that dealt with politics, celebrities, and there, there was a few people on there, and she was a guest on on an episode, and I sat, I'd been working all morning, and I sat in on the audience to, to chill almost as a break for the hour that they were broadcasting. And um, it got quite heated. Uh, a conversation was struck up, and you know they it, it got very political. Her being a politician, there, and they were bringing up agendas. And um, she uh, she kind of she went into a bit of a timeout, and she goes, "I don't care about their shitty little lives." And it went through. But obviously, I laughed because oh, this, was, this is eleven in the morning, and on TV, on live TV, you cannot and it say was that. Live, yeah. <laughs> and she obviously. I I caught it and the people in front of me really laughed and were nudging each other and she didn't know she'd said it and they went to a break and in the break the floor manager went over to there and obviously told her off saying she can't she was getting really funny with them going like she didn't say that I don't remember saying that and she was getting pulled off like a kid and she was getting stressed out all within this like two minute period where they had to bring the cameras back up and laugh but she but she, she kept um kept saying her uh, her great words so yeah she's um yeah a real character she is a real character and he follows her around for about a week doesn't she doesn't he and she's living at the time of her mother and she's like um you can film anywhere around the house but you can't go in my bedroom yes and also you can't talk to my mother as well she's very funny about things like that isn't she and the mother, like he, he, he's, um, he's very clever because he catches um he goes on the a, a cruise with her for like a weekend or something and the mother's there and he catches a moment when Nan Winnicom walks off somewhere and the mum's left sitting down so he goes let's go talk to them <laughs> to the mum and he talks to the mum and the mum's like yeah she was very difficult and stubborn as a child blah, blah, blah. and then Nan Winnicom comes walking up like what are you doing talking to her like, do you know what I mean? like like and it was like oh we're just uh, you know we're having a friendly conversation it's like I've told you not to talk to to her. So she's very particular in the way she, you know, gets things done, and you know, yes, like you said, she's a real character. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, makes politics more interesting. Yes. What were you going to say about her? Because you're looking something up. No, she was. She was. Um, I, I, I have an interest in politics to an extent with like how it crosses with film. So it is interesting when he. He kind of uh, upsets politicians because uh, <laughs> they've got a knack for answering a question with a question, and I do find yes. it amazing. Like, they They're well known for doing it, aren't they? Yeah, <laughs> they never answer anything. It's amazing. I mean, documents your interview, and they can they can just not answer a damn thing. Well, look at Boris. He's. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's a prime. You know, he's he's a prime candidate for doing that. I mean, how many times have we? You know, has he been asked any? He sort of deflects the situation or answers something completely different. You seen that video of him going out um giving tea to a bunch of journalists? Yes, yeah. Yeah, they're all taking photos and they're waiting outside his house and he comes out with uh, a tray of teas and he's like, Would you like a cup of tea? And this woman's like, Yes, 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 I would, but in a minute, ask she goes, Can I ask you a question? He goes, Would you like a cup of tea? And she's trying to get she asks this question and he 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 just keeps going on, have tea, have some tea, kind of thing. And it's just like she goes, Oh, just answer the question. <laughs> You're thinking, answer the question. So um, yes, they're very good for doing that. They yeah. know they're doing it as well, obviously. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> a professional career out of it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, look what's going on at the moment with all these parties. You wouldn't think <laughs> Downing Street is like a 24-hour party house. <laughs> First they had the Christmas party when during the lockdown. Um, and then they had the garden party. Then it was his birthday party. <laughs> as long as it's cheese and wine, it's only a business meeting, so it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> it is a joke now, isn't it? It's becoming yeah. a joke of a joke. You do, I do kind of wonder if Louis would ever interview Boris Johnson. Oh, I would him. like to see that. <laughs> I think even well, Louis. Through his insults. <laughs> He's got... <laughs> it'd, be, it'd, be, it'd be entertainment. I It'd get ratings for that. I think even Louis would lose his rag with him, wouldn't he? <laughs> Quite possibly. <laughs> All right, let's move on to one of yours. Uh, I did actually watch this very recently because it's obviously one of his newest, I think it might be his newest, was the uh, shooting Joe Exotic. Oh, yes, yes. Which, um, I... I, I uh... <laughs> Okay, sorry everyone, I just quickly popped off to the toilet. <laughs> so, what were we saying, Jason? Jason's eating his chocolate. <laughs> Any time he's talking Coca-Cola. Um... <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, people know me for having a lot of Coke, but it's a drink. Yeah, yeah, he... <laughs> I'm going we caught... I just caught you as you were drinking and you had a mouthful of Coca-Cola. <laughs> um, no, I was um, saying the... Um... Shooting Joe Exotic, I uh, I tuned into that when it was first aired. Um, uh, that what I was um, it that one. Do you remember? Uh, it, April twenty twenty one, so really okay. fresh. It, it really hot off the press because. And this was uh, way um, before he 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 was famous for his um, what you know they, yeah, they did um they did Tiger King for Netflix and then he um Louis did his uh shooting Joe Exotic and it's interesting because. Uh, what was interesting about this is I loved Tiger King. I thought that was an amazing series. Mm. And um, then Louis did a documentary about it and showed it in a complete different perspective, which even yeah. made me well. He actually showed it. Uh, Louis actually showed the darker, non-fun side of it and made you question all the bad stuff that happened. Whereas yeah. the original documentary that he wasn't involved with showed you all the kind of crazy, fun, glam stuff. Um, yeah, yeah. But he did two, didn't he? He did the original one, which was before Joe became Joe Exotic, and was he wasn't he wasn't known then, was he? That was for uh, what was the was was that um, Dangerous Creatures or Dangerous Pets or something? Yes, Pet there Louis. was that. Yeah, yeah, and that was before Joe was known for you know who he is now. So he was he wasn't known at the time. Um, so what was the name of that documentary before he did the follow-up? Do you remember? You're looking at that. I think there was Dangerous Creatures. It um, was Dangerous Creatures, wasn't it? Where you say he was going around talking to, you know, people that own dangerous pets, and he was one of them. Yeah. <laughs> um, but he, the um, shooting Joe Exotic was... Um, Tiger King's obviously in prison, so a lot of the interviews are kind of on the phone up to the prison because he's, he's locked away. Yeah. Um, but he kind of revisited, mainly Carol Baskin, he revisits and actually shows her point of view um, a bit 
better, so she doesn't come off quite as. Uh, no. Um, because she's really, kind of is kind of. I mean, I don't want to say, but is it, Tiger King quite biased and on on his side, obviously shows um, the fam fam side. So 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 she's very much depicted as being, you know. <laughs> Tiger King, that the, the uh, original documentary series is uh, quite hilarious and makes her theme nuts and like <laughs> she's giving uh, Joe a hard time. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. And and they do paint a picture that she's pretty bad and possibly has killed her husband. They do like yes. a really good, yeah, and they do a good he's... job of this. <laughs> they they do feed you. They they kind of almost make you go like, look, she's bad. Like you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, or, no, you want to watch this one? And Louis gets involved when he does a documentary and kind of like, he. I think there's still some dodgy areas in this story, yeah. but he does show a different. He sheds a bit of a a different light on it and makes you realise there is maybe a bit more than meets the eye. And yes, and Joe's a bit darker than. Yes, I was going to say it, it shows his much darker side, isn't it? Rather than the side everyone loves him for and knows. Yeah, him. you, you that, see, a, you see a very sinister, a sinister, disturbed uh, person actually. From from when yeah. he talks to people who's who's worked with him or. I think he talks to um, his niece as well at one point, doesn't he? Yeah, he he delves a bit deeper than what Into the, the relatives, uh, yeah, series did, and um, mm. he talks to not such large in life characters and people that are a bit more grounded and, and yeah, a bit more. The niece wasn't she? She came across as being very level-headed and yeah and i'd say it was more of a serious documentary because yeah. the uh the original tiger king just the interviews like um the, the practicality behind the filmmaking there's a guy interviewed in a bath <laughs> just sitting oh, in the bath <laughs> and, it's just like there's a guy with no shirt on being interviewed i mean the actual filmmaking behind it's hilarious yeah <laughs> it's yeah, like, yeah i think tiger king did very well during the first lockdown didn't it <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it, it, yeah, incredible, really. It was a, a big phenomenon, and uh, it, I got quite hooked to that pretty quick. I, I didn't expect it to be as fun as it was. It was like a pure fun, yeah. <laughs> like cinematic experience. It's almost like a film, really. Yeah. How, how nuts the stories were. It, there's everything in that, you know, like lust, deceit, <laughs> fair, everything. Like, like violence what, is, and not. Yeah, and like when you, even when you delve into Louis documentary you realize there's a lot going on behind he's a, he's a, he's definitely uh, an interesting character isn't he he's got like two husbands and <laughs> and uh, uh and i remember i think in the very first one he did there was a flashback where louis asked him what happens if they'd um if you'd have to stop doing your zoo or something like that and he said i'd euthanize all the animals he said, would you really? He goes, yeah. So he'd kill all the animals. And, and also part of the the controversy with that was that he's breeding these cubs, wasn't he? To live yeah. in captivity. And that's where Carol Baskin comes in because she's, you know, completely against animal uh living in animals living, wild animals living in captivity, etc. Because there's I didn't realise there's so many of these these um Zoos around the states, aren't they? Uh, not zoos; they're private owners. Mm. With, and they, like little, yeah. a little off-state 
sort of yeah to, yeah yeah and I think that's what she's <laughs> trying to stop wasn't she she's trying to go around stopping it which which peed him off a lot because obviously then if that happens it'll put him out of business so yeah she, she's a character herself <laughs> I mean she she don't she don't help herself but no. I'm surprised she was interviewed for Louis because after after however they managed to get her and do an interview and then make her look like an idiot like they did I'm surprised she uh, trusted yeah. the crew to come yeah, here yeah. They there must did, have been some clause or contract about yeah. telling the story. In the in the Louis Ferru follow-up where he did of her um talking to her, didn't she and her husband play some of the death threats? Because she got many, many death threats, didn't yeah. she? Yeah. <laughs> quite oh, they're scary, obviously. But but like, you know, can you imagine on a daily basis getting all these emails and then horrible voice messages and I, and and uh, and there was a there was didn't he do like a video a music video about her killing her husband? Yeah, yeah, he 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 was uh yeah he wrote songs performed them but wasn't actually him performing them had videos made and put out the clip. <laughs> it's quite a, yeah, yeah released albums that he sold in his little zoo shop. It's quite a, in, in, insane insane character ran for mayor at one point as well. Yeah, really. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> was it was and and the later documentaries that have come he was actually a, a cop he was like a terrible. oh yes i saw that <laughs> it got even better just when i thought that story couldn't get any more wild they they went further back in his life and it just went even more insane <laughs> you do wonder where do they get these people from yeah he was, there are uh, people like that in the world and you realize this 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 can't be just a coincidence. This can't be just uh, some uh, comedic fictional character. These people really exist. <laughs> These people really exist. Yeah, he was kind of the century, I think, for for a filmmaker to actually follow and then talk. But he must to. be every filmmaker's dream, I'd imagine, wouldn't he? I love characters like that just because they are just you know you can't you can't fake how nuts that is. That's no, like... no, for sure. <laughs> Is there anything else you want to say about uh, any of uh, the Joe Exotic ones that Louis did? I, I think it's good to visit Tiger King and actually get an idea and then come to Louis's one because it's really interesting how yeah. you know, like a mature Louis comes in and goes, actually, yeah. all what you just watched, which was a phenomenon, there's actually a darker side. That yeah, yeah. Quite, you know, I think it gives you a good little bit of backstory before you go into his, his yeah. one. Yeah, because in his original, in Theroux's, original one that he did um we only see him very briefly briefly don't we because he talks to other um you know people with dangerous creatures so so like i said joe exotic was not a well-known then yeah he wasn't the, the tv persona that he is known for now so he yeah. um but i don't know what year was that the, the original one that came out was that early 2000 Something. I think it would have been, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but that was the first time, and he talks about that, didn't he? That when he first met him, it was before all of that madness. Yes, Tiger yeah. And all that stuff came out. So, so he was a well, he was an unknown person at the time, just running his own private zoo. So, yeah. All right then. Um, maybe we should sort of start wrapping it up. So, sh I think maybe we should give one or two more each and then we'll finish <laughs> um 
do you want to go on to one or is it my turn? I can't think of any more. Um, <laughs> I think that's a lot of the good ones. He's done a few. He's done a lot though, hasn't he? Yeah, he's had quite a good. It's, um, he has done yeah. a one. Um, did you? I tell you what. Let's quickly talk about the one he did. Like um, <laughs> a few of them in the Miami prisons, or so. Well, he did a few in some some prisons in the states, didn't he? He did one in San Quentin. Um, yes. Actually, that's very interesting. His his ones that he's done following prison lifestyle. It's very um, like I've noticed as in one of them. These um, they're very territorial, aren't they? Prisoners they stick to their own gangs. So when yeah. they actually have yard time, because obviously they're in their blocks for pretty much you know twenty three hours a day and stuff. So they they can go out you know one hour every day to exercise and socialize and stuff. And they all go into their separate corner of the playground. They all have their own uh, you know group, don't they? Um, but it is quite interesting to see the dynamics between prisoners, how they live on the inside, than how they would. And a lot of them, ha- a lot of it has to do with respect, don't they? Yeah, absolutely. It, yeah. It's, a, it's, a, it's not. It's not an easy world. It's very brutal, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. A, a very um, hostile environment to go Ooh. into as a filmmaker as well, actually. Yeah, and he was saying he followed. Uh, a couple of newbies, um, you know, they're they're pretty much juvenile. Uh, they're 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 basically late teens that go into prison, and um, he he talks to some of the police, and he says, you know, why why are you keeping why are you guys keeping a careful watch on them? Because they're they're you know they're they're going to be primarily they might you know that they're, they're going to be on the the list for all the older ones to basically beat the crap out of and stuff so yeah. you do feel sorry for those young ones that just go in you know because they're, they're kids really but they're they're having to watch their back and that must be so scary I imagine which is why a lot of them have to have these kind of groups to form a kind of protection isn't it yeah, yeah, it's a whole different way of life in the uh, behind the bars. Yeah, um, it, it, Louis, do you think Louis at some points he gets scared as well? He must do. Yeah, I, I think he's probably good at masking and hiding it, but there must be some situations over these years where he's felt a bit compromised because he's certainly yeah. been rubbing shoulders with some pretty heavy people that mm. you know uh, and, and and the crews are small I, I've, I've seen some little behind the scenes isn't there's, there's not many of them he's got a sound guy a camera in him and that that's not they, they've not got a lot of protection they're quite vulnerable in the situations they're in yeah um, how many in that situation how many how many people on the crew follow him around I what think is? um in in some situations I think there's been as little as three himself sound and camera have literally been okay what's there. um others would be bigger but there has definitely been situations in his early days as well there wasn't many of them at no, all uh, no and they certainly weren't in a position to get out of too much trouble if it was to occur they they've had to uh yeah you know i mean yeah it's brave as if i've got it's a brave uh, looking at it from some logistics it's brave to walk into those environments with a bit yeah. of an attitude that he has as well and uh yeah 
Um, he does talk to some interesting people, doesn't he? That there, there was one that he did. I mean, he's done a few of, um, you know, prisons. He's done, uh, um, but there was one of them where he talks to uh, a couple. So it's like a former Nazi who develops a relationship with a, a Jewish guy. And, um, and you know, the, he's like, don't you find that quite ironic? Because he used to be, you know, um, obviously, like, you know, a Nazi. So he was, you know, what, I don't know what the name is. I can't think. Um, but he was in a gang. So. Um, the neo-Nazis. The kind of yeah, the neo-Nazis. Nazis. Yeah, you're right. And then he formed this relationship with a Jewish guy. But actually on the outside world, he was saying, do you have, uh, so is this a relationship between you? And he's like, yeah, it's, it's uh, you know, a companionship, you know, and and um, his uh, boyfriend, the, the Jewish guy, um, puts mascara on and actually, and that's one of the questions that Louis asks him and says, do you... Do you find that actually he, he's actually very clever, this guy, with doing that because he's making himself up to be female in that situation. So so in that hostile environment full of men, um, to them, he's a female. Do you know what I mean? So, so in a way, he's kind of, they leave him alone. Yeah. So it is an interesting dynamic. And it turns out that this... Um, uh, ex neo Nazi is married on the outside world and has a wife and kids that have no, you know, absolutely know nothing about it. So, and then there's another couple who are in, who are sharing a cell, and one of them's about to leave, and um, he's transgender. So, so, you know, he's called, he calls himself Debbie or something. So, they, he talks to this couple as well. Um, it is really interesting the dynamic in the prison situation, how it's completely different to the outside world. And you can see how these people would be very scared once they're set into society. Because you do hear about that, don't you? Yeah, yeah, definitely. When they're, they're institutionalised, they, you know, they know what to expect when they're outside in the world. They don't know what to expect. And a lot of them tend to go back several times to prison, <laughs> don't they? Yeah, they get used to it and almost get scared of the outside world and yeah the yeah and the security that they have where they are um. yeah and they're respected you've got to kind of understand in their situation in prison they might be someone if you know yeah so you can kind of whereas on the outside world you're not you're at the bottom of the pile again aren't you yeah so it's it's a much different way of life and hmm. hard to adjust out you know if, if you get if you're there for a long time, you do adjust and then it's hard to readjust coming yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a bit like reverse culture shock. Like if you go from one country to the next after so much time. Yeah. Um, so you can kind of see how that transition would be very difficult. Is there anything you want to talk about, any of these prison ones, before we go on to one of yours and then we'll finish? And no? I think that's quite a good, good summary. Him okay. Touching. Well, why don't you take it away and bring up your choice and then we'll finish so you're the you're the uh the one to wrap it up <laughs> i think yeah right it was it was 2011 he did um america's most dangerous pets oh in, that was one of joe exotic and um that that was that's a fun one because um I, I do i do love animals I, I'm, I'm a pet keeper myself and yeah the, yes some, some of the pets, 
yeah. <laughs> some of the pe- some of the pets that people get that you know the, the more real eccentric ones are amazing so yeah uh, yeah it's always america he always goes to america for these things which is like great. you know at one point i do remember a scene somewhere that you know harrod harrods harrods in yeah the west end or whatever they in the 70s they had a pet shop and they also sell like ridiculous <laughs> tiger cubs and things like that so so at yeah. one point we were doing it in the uk but obviously you know we came to our senses and <laughs> but but yeah so um yeah it is bizarre is there anything uh is there another episode you want to talk about and then we'll finish one of your other favorite three ones and then we'll we'll call it a day uh, um that we missed he, out on that you want to talk about quickly he did um an interesting one actually uh, he did do in 2014 which um i, I dived into was uh, the la stories oh, okay tell us about those ones which was um he explores the real life in at the city of los angeles so it kind okay. of uh, obviously them, LA and Hollywood's all glitz and glam and he, yeah, he just, yeah, yeah. this was a bit of a little uh, documentary series where he looks at the I won't say the darker side but just like the real life LA so it's you know yeah he yeah of, he did the sheet up a bit which again I, it's interesting uh, because it, it show, he, he you know people have an idea in their head of what something's like and then he actually shows you what it's yeah really like. yeah yeah was one of them um where he talks to women who work in the sex industry yeah, I think he does touch on that. And he quiet. follows an Italian around. And at one point, she's absolutely scared shitless. Sorry. Because, <laughs> um, because um, her money gets stolen or something, and she has to pay her pimp. And she's really... Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it is really scary, isn't it, for them? Yeah, yeah. It's um... in, And like you say, LA, which is meant to be... The glam. It puts you off of going to it puts you off of living there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't know if it was that if it was part of that um series. And it was one of them. But yeah. I'm trying to think what was what ones were in the LA ones? It's LA stories, isn't it? I think there's a few. It's a, it was a mini series. So mm. it was a, um, he's done quite a few of them, hasn't he? Yeah. Um there is um the recent one, I believe, is 2014. And again, it probably is on the BBC iPlayer. You can probably catch these on uh, in the UK. Um, which yeah. I think is a lot of his, a lot of the, well, a fair chunk of his stuff is on. There. And some of the darker ones as well that are on there. Yeah. Looking there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, his filmography must be so long now. Yeah, it is pretty uh, impressive. He's done so much. It's, you know, I mean, there's, there've been so many that we've missed out, but um, he's definitely a very impressive documentarian for sure. It is a hard thing to do, isn't it? I mean, you've made documentaries. They are very time consuming and you do have to do a lot of research. Yeah, and just um, you never know if you're going to get all the footage you need. Unlike a a traditional film, you, you you have got to rely on on interviews you get, and if you can get access to stuff and film stuff, it's a lot. Yeah. There's a lot of red tape to cross, and it can be unpredictable. Is that you know you don't yeah. you get interviews that throw a strop and walk off, or they refuse to do it, and 
Um, like the Michael Jackson one is a good like yeah. that wasn't yeah. what it was supposed to be. Got a documentary there, but originally he wanted to do the proper one. So yeah, yeah. He kind of looked at that one. Here's a good question to ask you actually, because you've done a few documentaries and, and then also you can see I'll ask you if Louise, do you think has this approach? When you first start off doing a documentary, do you have an ending in plan or do you kind of go with it and then it naturally gets to, you find a natural end to it? And do you think Faru has some kind of, you know, where he wants it to go and where how he wants it to end? Or do you think that just naturally happens as you go along? Kind of, uh, there is um, there is normally a documentary script that um, right. um, which when when I studied film we we did learn how to write for a documentary but you have to obviously there's a bit of blank there and you need to fill it in but normally you have a narrative in mind so you okay. you do work out who you're going to follow and kind of where it'd be a good point to round it up and I I believe he does go in knowing that he's going to probably talk to X Y Z and. Okay. Um, the unpredictability is sometimes you unearth things when you're talking to them or it might lead to you wanting to investigate something or find someone, but still you have an idea of where that story is going to go just so you can uh, yes. naturally bring it to an end. Um, yeah. So, but, but again, yeah, it is a bit unpredictable. And so, sometimes I myself have worked on documentaries where we've gone with it a bit, where if someone's gone on a tantrum, you go with it because sometimes it leads to something quite fascinating or something you mm -hmm. haven't thought about and uh, normally a disaster because it expands the project if you're on time restraints and budget yes, yes. Right there, but you know it can lead to to much more exciting stuff but yeah it, it depends what you can do again because what your resources are as well it's a it's a bigger yeah. obviously him doing a lot for bbc i'm you know i'm sure their their resources weren't overly tight he, no. he's had a sensibility you reckon there. that if um, since he does a lot of stuff at the BBC, that he has to be careful of the boundaries. I imagine he would do, wouldn't he? Uh, they're quite strict. They, imagine, they, yeah. He would be on a bit of a leash. They, I think the edit is where it comes into editing. They can get a lot of cool stuff, but the BBC will definitely be careful on what makes Final Cut. Okay. Um, even though he's done challenging things, I still think they would probably uh, have a bit of a fine tooth kind, making sure nothing too bad gets let through. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay, well, we need to definitely do, because um, I really want to touch upon the porn industry. That is a really interesting subject, and we were talking about that, and it's, I could go on, we could go on and on for ages, because it just goes off into so many different directions, doesn't it? Yeah, that one does, yeah, absolutely. So let, yeah, so let's do one about that, and, and also you can talk about when you were filming your documentary about the and your experiences, etc. Because it would be, it, it has been something I've been wanting to talk to a filmmaker about as well. Um, because also the film, the porn industry has affected the film industry and the film industry has tackled the porn industry, hasn't it? So they've kind of crossed over a few times. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, there was that famous film with Woody Harrelson uh, uh, and Courtney Love. They did one. Is it Larry Flint versus the world or something like that? Yeah, yeah, there is that yeah. one. Yeah. Something like that. But they have been, you know, there have been cases where films have crossed over, you know, and, and obviously the porn industry is going to follow follow popular culture, isn't it? And the times it goes in. So it's always going to be, I think, an interesting one to delve into. Yeah, no, absolutely. For sure. All right, then, Jason, is there anything else you want to say or quickly bring up and then 
I think it's time to go, isn't it? <laughs> I think that's, that's really good. Yeah, De- def- definitely go and binge watch some Louis documentaries. It's entertainment. Yeah. We we um I need to watch some more because I'm sure there's yeah, lots I'm I have. Revisit some after after talking yeah, about and, and you know what's going to happen is that after you you revisit it, you're going to think, oh, I really wish I said this, or I really wish I said that. <laughs> yeah, always the way. Always the way. All right, well, thank you, Jason. And um, yeah, for sure, we'll do one on the porn industry. That, that'll be a really good one to do as well. Yeah, no, I look forward to it. All right, well, thank you. All right. Bye. 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 Oh, 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 oh,